does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, welcome in. Broadcasting live from thedrivehubler.com. Sorry, the mic's not on. There we go. Broadcasting live from thedrivehubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call. You know the funny thing this morning, Kevin Bowen? I texted you. What did I text you at 6.15 this morning? Manna from heaven. Manna from heaven as the battle last night over the basketball as the Pacers go to Milwaukee. <laughs> Not surprising they lost the game, right? Oh, I mean, man. I don't think we're too surprised they lost the game. We'll talk about that. But the hilarity that ensued, who had Giannis's basketball? That's going to be the story. It's one of the big stories on ESPN.com this morning, and we'll talk about it here for the next three hours. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. A busy show. We're going to let you hear from Matt Painter. We spoke with him at the end of yesterday's show. Uh, we'll do that. Scott Agnes will join us. Mike DeCourcy will join us as well. And we want to hear from you as well. KB, a good morning. What a night last night. Didn't think we were going to get that on a Wednesday. Yeah, huh? quite the temper tantrum out of... I guess the best player in the NBA, certainly one of them last night, and the Pacers did their part in making sure he looked like the best player in the NBA. Yeah, I felt like watching the end of that Pacers-Bucks game, and honestly, we we, we really need to set the scene because it happened so late in the night. Uh, I can fully understand why a lot of our listening audience would have missed it, but I felt like watching that unfold post-game. I'm like, oh, this is just getting getting ready for uh, Christmas. This is helping uh, Kevin Bowen prepare for Rosie not sharing well with her cousins come Christmas time. So oh, I appreciate boy, the, cousins, yeah. the Bucks and yeah. the Pacers putting that on full display last night. Um, let's just uh, paint the picture, Andy Sweeney, okay? Uh, the Pacers give up. It was a very chippy game. It was for the was. end. We well, had the you had the what the first second quarter. You had Neesmith wrapping up Giannis. Well, you had, had Giannis giving yeah, Halliburton the elbow Giannis before gives, that. His little chicken wing to Halliburton. Sure, you had him plenty down. of technical fouls sure. in this game. Bobby, Bobby Portis, Portis gets tossed there in the second half after Aaron Neesmith, which I I just thought Neesmith. I didn't think he was doing anything out of the line, out of line there. I, I simply thought Giannis was falling to the ground. Neesmith was trying to hold him up, you know. And I get Portis wants to defend his star. Portis, by all accounts, is one of the more outspoken people in Vegas after the Pacers had beat the Bucks last week. So that all unfolds, um, and this kind of goes back to the question I was tossing to you yesterday, Andy. A lot. How would the Bucks respond? Like I was so fascinated by that leading into last mm-hmm. night because the Pacers had beaten them twice in a row. They had caused some internal, you know, whatever chatter in Milwaukee about how things have unfolded this season. So there was chippiness, there was edginess to the game before the end. Giannis has, I believe, he had fifty-eight, and then re-enters the game when the Pacers' third stringers had cut it to. And we're talking About Ben Shepard hitting right. threes, Oscar Sheebway, Jarris Walker, Oscar Sheebway, et cetera, et cetera. Who, by the way, this is all Oscar Sheebway's fault. <laughs> Part of Poor it is Oscar all. Oscar Sheebway, he just wants to go to the free throw line and get an NBA point. That's all the guy wants yeah. to do, KB. Uh, he does not run into these issues when he's playing the, uh, you know, Sioux Fall Stars or whoever in the G League. But By the way, Lance Stevenson does play tonight. We can get to that later on. There we go. We need to have the play-by-play. Well, we do have Michael Grady on tomorrow, yeah, right, Mark? We'll, we'll talk with him about it then. There go we ahead. go. Continue to so, paint your picture here. So, 
Adrian Griffin puts his starters back in the game. And honestly, that's something I've seen the Pacers do before. Yeah, like, I had no problem with it. You exit a little bit too early with your guys. Obviously, the Bucks have had some issues in beating the Pacers. He's taking no chances. So he puts Giannis back in. Giannis scores, what, another six? So now the career high becomes 64 points for him. Um, and as the game ends, there, I guess, was confusion over who took the game ball. <laughs> These are grown multi-million dollar men, yes. Who took the game ball? I, I believe at one point the Bucks thought Mike Weiner, the assistant for the Pacers, had the game ball, and Mike Weiner was trying to get it for Oscar Shibway, who scored his first NBA point, something the Pacers do. And uh, I, I guess Weiner had the reserve ball. The alternate ball. Sure. The actual <laughs> game ball, which is clearly seen on video evidence, uh, was taken by a member of the Bucks staff. Somehow that was not relayed to Giannis. And again, Giannis, Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne. I mean, Andy, it was a temper tantrum. Out of the box, it, I, like I could not believe that Giannis is in a full sprint Agreed. down the visiting I, locker room. I'm still stunned he acted the way he did. I'm, I'm, After I'm, the I'm stunned by it. Yeah. Now, someone was trying to bring up, a, and, and I am all for context, or like, explain this to me. Why is Giannis reacting like that? Someone had mentioned last night that um, he did not get game the game six ball from the NBA Finals, and that has really bothered him. I, I, okay, um, I, I I think two things can be true. One, unbelievable temper tantrum by the Bucks. Like, uh, look, Rosie Bowen over a candy cane. I mean, like, uh, unbelievable <laughs> watching that. And my God, don't let the dude score 64. Yeah. By the Andy, way, it was, it, was t- it was temper tantrums in the Sweeney household last night as well. There's temper tantrums everywhere last night. Giannis, two games yeah. of more than 42 points this season. 32 free throws last night attempted. Two it's games unbelievable. of more than 42 points this season. One time, 54 against Indiana. Last night, 64 against Indiana. Just don't let the dude go for history. He's a great player. 35, 38, do what everybody else does against him. But two games this season, he's had more than 42. 54 last week in Vegas and 60 freaking four last night. Uh, It's it's unbelievable. First of all, I'll say this. Uh, I did not expect, the reason I text KB Mana from heaven is it's a long season, right? It's a long 82-game season. It is rare that you get this type of drama in an 82-game season. And you're right, KB. Uh, How Milwaukee responded was the big question that you threw out there several times yesterday. Hey, how are the Bucs going to respond here? The Pacers have won two in a row. Uh, You know, the whole Vegas thing, unhappy about that. I mean, they didn't want they didn't want to lose that opportunity. And it's something we wondered. Now, I thought the I thought the Bucs would win. I thought they would cover. They ultimately did. And I thought they would kind of be zoned in. Right. That's how my reason of the game yesterday was going to be about last night and for the most part that was true now I did not think Giannis was going to have the game that he did and again 32 free throws attempted we talked with Matt Painter yesterday we'll play that at eight o'clock about how Zach Eady is officiated how about that I mean anytime uh he just head down was going to the rim it was going to get two two free throws um but I I I just I am stunned it was a chippy game anyway and then the end of the game, 
KB, I've never seen anything like that, uh, a star like that throwing a fit when there is absolute. Now, we'll have Agnes coming up at 830, and he had the video. and the yeah, video He's was watched out, every angle and the video is yeah. out there on Twitter. It, it's readily available on the internet. I mean, the last shot is taken, and the the Buck staff member runs right to the referee. The referee hands him the basketball, and that's it. That that's the story, and for Giannis to not even KB throw a fit, but start a fight on top of it. Whatever happened in you know the locker room, whatever didn't happen in the locker room, uh, and by all <laughs> accounts, Mo- Buchanan got elbowed in the ribs. I, I, I was gonna say, by all accounts, it was mostly verbal. Yeah. It sounds like maybe, yes. Maybe a little push. Chad Buchanan did get elbowed it's in the ribs. A, yeah, it's yeah. not not, not mm-hmm. it's not a melee. Even though maybe you know Rick Carlisle, we'll hear from him here in a second. He used words like that, but you know there was a little bit of pushing, some profanity, some posturing, some peacocking, if you will. But I love this. I I, I don't love what Giannis did. I love the drama, and I love. I love that the pain. Here's what you should love if you're a Pacer fan. You should love that you beat this team and you got their attention and you got under their skin. And them losing to you in the way that they did publicly, losing to you in that in-season tournament, that got under their skin. And yeah. I like that. And I like that a lot. And again, that kind of stems from what I was getting at yesterday, Andy, of like, we have not talked about the Pacers and another opponent in any sort of rivalry manner in years. No. Like, yeah. like, none of it. Right. And in this market, we're used to Pacers-Knicks. We're used to Pacers-Pistons. We're used to Pacers-Heat. And that, all of those had edginess to them and tense moments. And last night, again, before everything unfolded post-game, Andy, you had some of those moments. And I want to make sure our audience knows that because, you know, Unfortunately, a large percentage of them are probably only going to see what happened post game. Right. And what happened in the 48 minutes of basketball was hard fouls, was technicals, uh, chirping, uh, post whistle, uh, a lot of that. And again, to your point, you have helped create that. You have kind of earned that. And that's what April and May can be about. And this is a team, and obviously you're going to see, I mean, let's just circle it right now. January 1st, yep. January 3rd, at Milwaukee on the 1st. Home to Indiana on the third. That, I love it. Let's that go. That already has yeah. playoff feel oh, it because does. it's one of those two games in three nights. You you don't have an opponent sandwich in between there. So um, again, Milwaukee is like part of me watched that Andy and thought, you know what? This is Ryan Day, Lou Holtz all over again. <laughs> And okay. remember my reaction the Monday after that? Okay, well, I do, but tell the people. I remember your reaction, yeah. I wanted to bitch and moan and <laughs> whine about Ryan Day like none other. And make, I was... Make fun of his beard. Oh, I was so mad. <laughs> and we played the clips, and Mark had the Lou Holtz audio, and the Ryan Day audio. Oh, and, you know, I was just... I was trying to feast on that. And you know what? Inside of me, I thought, why the hell did we have 10 guys on the field for two plays mm-hmm. to end the game? Why right. the hell did right. we give up a third and 19? Yeah, you throw out that 11th guy maybe in the biggest yeah. play of the season. You know, yeah, yeah, sure. Could Go touch ahead down and do Jesus that. of, you know, yeah. come off the edge and set, set, you know, great leverage there to stop the run. Like, that's where it really stems from. And that's kind of where I'm at with this. Again, Giannis was Ryan Day. Temper tantrum, like none other. So out of line. I'm like, dude, what happened? That, that that was my first reaction. I'm like, holy, did something you know happen that we just missed during the course of the game? No, it's all over a ball. And so I want to, <laughs> I want to be mad about that, and I want to be only mad about that. But you know what? I probably should be mad about 
Don't let the dude score 60 yeah. freaking four. When you're down 10, you needed some stops. You could have got back in the game. You did. 64. You lose, yeah, you lose the game. I, I, I thought I was seeing things, by points. the way, on the opening possession when Buddy Heald got the defensive assignment Ugh. on Giannis. I'm oh, like, wait buddy. a minute. Am yeah. I seeing things Switch here? off. Yeah, what's going on? You know the other thing about it is Giannis was, whether it's the forearm shiver to Halliburton or after the game or a couple times during, Giannis was going to Halliburton. Well, and like, I, This was star I versus that, star for a little time That here. was from, I think, a little bit of that Dame time celebration Probably. in yeah. Vegas. And, Probably. Um, you know what? Part of this is kind of why I've always... I wouldn't say I've, I, I'm this big Giannis fan, but I've liked what Giannis has brought to the NBA in that, uh, and pro- probably, uh, honestly, a lot of it stems from international play. Of like, you know, he did not grow up in some five-star United States culture, and, you know, he's been on all these Team USA team. Like, he has no, uh, you know, previous history with really any of these players, any of these stars. And, you know, he's obviously stayed in Milwaukee. I really respect that. So, um, at the end of the day... I do love the intensity I saw for 48 minutes. Uh, I think what's disappointing if you're a Pacers fan is, again, defensively, zero answer for him whatsoever. Uh, I can't wait for January 1st. Can't wait for January 3rd. And this is what you want. You want to get back into these moments where Total agreement. Um, you Total have agreement. This, this intensity with a singular opponent, particularly one in your division, one in your conference. And uh, that's probably where I walk away from it. But, man, giving up 64 to the dude... Holy shit. He, he doesn't even make a three, dude. <laughs> That's the other thing about it. He doesn't make, in today's game, he doesn't make a three-pointer. He's 0 for 3, and he scored 64 points without making a three-point shot. It's unbelievable. Basically, to summarize it all, it was a misunderstanding over the game ball, which is amazing. Did you it, see it that really is, is what the argument is. Did you see Dustin DePierre's tweet about it? Yeah. Here's my attempt to make sense of all this stuff in narrative form. Again, Pacers say they have the reserve ball. Video shows a Buck security staff grabbing the game ball, but Giannis doesn't think he has the real one. Yeah, but here's the what best is going part. on. He, here's the best part, guys. While all of this fighting is not fighting, but posturing, beefing, uh, back and forth. While all this bad stuff is gone, I think it's funny. While this stuff is going on, I mean, Giannis running down the tunnel, acting like he's going to do anything. I mean, that's that, that's a that's a sight to behold. One of the stars of the NBA. That was a freight train. The, the not security guard, but the team staff member of the Bucks. Does he know this is going on? Because he knows he has the basketball. You know, I he watched so many the clips, ref. and I thought at one point there was somebody that got in front of Giannis and was like, "We've got it," or "I've I, I've got the ball." Scott Agnes says that did happen. In but some again, of the video if you watch seen. Giannis, Andy, he is gone. Oh, he doesn't I mean, think he, so. he, no. he is he's gone. I mean, like he mentally, he yeah. is ready to go. And again, some of this watching it unfold, I thought was a little bit like Mahomes on Sunday. Of you are frustrated over your team's overall play. I think Mahomes reacting like he did on Sunday is because the Kansas City offense has become human mm-hmm. and they're not the video game that we are used to. And I think Giannis's reaction is probably twofold. One, and again, I I I have no idea for the whole you know beef with this, but you know some of it is I didn't get the game ball in the NBA Finals, so the, you know this is kind of adding to it. But again, I think some of it stems from what happened in Vegas and what the Pacers did to them in the first two games this season. This one here from Kevin on Twitter, the comment of the day, 
January 3rd has to be free game ball giveaway for the Pacers. <laughs> oh, they have to do something. By the way, someone, national TV, whatever you got cooking, take the take the Knicks off TV. Put this game on national that, TV somewhere. That's a great point. Take the Knicks off TV. I don't so know why January 1st on them. there, January 3rd here, and that concludes the season series. So, Andy, it's one of these storylines that it's going to live for 24 hours, then it's going to die for a few weeks, then we'll get it right to start of January, and then nothing. And then it's gone for, for the months. final few months. Yeah. And then, of course, you know we'll see when the Eastern Conference playoffs unfold where the Pacers, where the Bucks fit into that, and if there's a possible seven-game series. An argument over the game ball. That's where we're at here on this Thursday morning. I guess if you're the Pacers, you're happy it overshadows uh, giving up 140 to the Bucks and losing last night in Milwaukee by 14. It was one of those nights where... Shibway, Ben Shepard, Jairus Walker, they all got in relatively early. Uh, five minutes ago in the fourth quarter, Rick Carlisle went there. Obi Toppin fouls out in 20 minutes, and boy, you need more from Buddy Heald and Bruce Brown. You just, those two right now, um, not giving you enough, especially from a starting lineup standpoint. So that will be a dominant topic on today's show. The other, I would think, big news item from yesterday is one TJ Watt has cleared concussion protocol so he is expected to play this Saturday against the Colts. Try to hammer that point home, how big Watt would be for this matchup. I'll throw a, what I think is a pretty uh, wild stat at you on what T.J. Watt means to Pittsburgh. And again, uh, the importance of this one. As w- This is typically a Friday. You know, this is, with a Saturday game, we're going to get a final injury report today um, for the Colts. They'll have their last practice of the week, so we'll run down that. As well. As Andy said, we'll re rack some of that Matt Painter coming up at 8 o'clock. Scott Agnes at 8 30. And get you set for a great college basketball weekend with Mike DeCourcy coming up at 9 o'clock. Good Thursday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykin. We're sharing well here on this Thursday morning. The same cannot be said for the Pacers and Bucks last night. We'll talk more about it next. Reminder, we'll let you hear our conversation with Matt Painter coming up at 8 o'clock. Scott Agnes, we'll talk some Pacers with him coming up at 8.30. Mike DeCourcy. Now, we are asking Mike DeCourcy Steeler questions as well, right, Ke- right Kevin? We're yes, doing that. Big, college basketball and Steelers. Yeah, big, big <laughs> like Steelers, that. guys. Yeah, so, yeah. I figure we might as well. So we'll do that. Uh, it's going to be a busy, busy day. Obviously, the big story last night is off the floor. Of course, uh, of course on the floor. Do we call it Ballgate? Uh, it's got to be, I mean, there's some something sort gate. of, I mean, sports radio, we're dealing with two balls here. I mean, there's something to be had that's going to be funny, right? Someone's got to come up with something funny. 141-26, your final last night, but the drama was after the game where Giannis, uh, he thought the Pacers took the game ball. He wanted the game ball either for himself or for Damian Lillard, who had a bunch of assists and passed somebody. I can't even remember what they said. Post-game, Carlisle, he was in the middle of it. Here's Coach Carlisle post-game on what happened in the hallway. What happened at the after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There's a misunderstanding about the game ball. It was Oscar Shibwe's first NBA official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball, and a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big 
I don't know. I don't know what to call it. A fracas in melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players. He certainly has a bruised, bruised rib, and who knows if it's anything more than that. But unfortunate situation. We don't need the the official game ball. There's two game balls there. You know, we could have taken the other one, um, but it didn't need to escalate to that. Third game we played these guys within two and a half, three weeks. Things are heated with the competition. You know, I, I understand all that, but for it to come into the hallway was didn't need it didn't need to happen that way. I, I do hope Chad Buchanan is okay. And now that I've said that, can I not just laugh at everything else? <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? Well, I hope Chad Buchanan didn't get elbowed by Bobby Portis. That would really, really Part hurt. Part of me I kind of does want on January 3rd, like the Pacers to honor Chad Buchanan the first time out. And they Bring show him, him in the crowd. He's yeah. got you know, those back sure. braces on. You know, sure. Again, I hope Chad is okay. Uh, great dude. But, I mean, what are we... Honestly, Rick's probably like, hey, I like talking about this. It's better than talking about giving up 64 to the dude. Yeah, but think about uh, out of all that happened in the game, the only guy that got injured was poor Chad Buchanan, who didn't even play in the game. That is so, so true. Uh, um, you want to hear from Giannis after the game? Uh, sure. Uh, on the game ball, here's what Giannis had to say. Temper tantrum, Giannis. I don't know. I have the ball, but I don't know if it's a game ball. It doesn't feel like the game ball to me. It's. It feels like a brand new ball. Like I can. I can tell. You know, from um, I played 35 minutes a day. You know, I know how the the game ball felt. You know, the uh, the ball that I have, which I'll take and I'll give it to my mom for sure. But uh, I don't know if it's actually the game balls. But it's 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 okay. You know, uh, life continue. Life does continue. I mean, yeah, hallelujah. Thank yes. the Lord Thank that God. we'll the have a game Friday continue. night to talk now, about. I, I was thinking, do they do they put the alternate ball in maybe towards the end of the game so it's not as rubbed, if you will, yeah, as the ball yeah, yeah. that I, was uh, I'm not in there getting for into any balls minutes. and any rubbing of anything. <laughs> I am just literally laughing at it was this slick. is what we are talking about. It well, sounds like like my daughter's arguing over like who gets to hold one of the Disney dolls we have. Tantrum. <laughs> it, it, again, I literally I had it I first. love Rosie Bowen so much it is literally rosy bone yeah the only difference was no i had it it's mine no it's mine (laughs) two three watching Giannis run down the tunnel it it, you brought this up earlier it did have for a brief second i'm like is this mouse with the power? Yeah, like, what is going on here? Like, you don't see that happen. Like, he's running to start a fight, or there is a fight happening actively in the hallway. And That's exactly for, what I thought. For those that missed it, I do want to make sure we focus on this throughout the show. It was a chippy 48-minute basketball game. Just because this is going to be what you'll see on ESPN of Ballgate, and someone texts me the misunderstanding in Milwaukee. I'm, I'm That's got too many syllables It's in a it. little wordy. But... You had Bobby Portis get ejected. You had Giannis throw an elbow at Tyrese Halliburton, Aaron Neesmith. I, I didn't think that you know egregious of a foul by any means on Giannis, but Portis is going to react to that. Uh, and this goes back to everything I was saying yesterday about how is Milwaukee going to respond? Credit to Indiana. They have they created some turmoil with the Bucks. They put them on edge. Now, you can't wait for January 1st. You can't wait for January 3rd when these two teams meet again, conclude the season series. Um, so I think two things can be abundantly true, Andy Sweeney. The temper tantrum, largely by the Bucks, was absolutely pathetic, as was the Pacers' defensive effort against the guy. Yeah, yeah, and then on top of it, I find great humor in all of this. Like, does Giannis come out and, like, tweet out, 
an apology or that he was wrong because he was wrong. Like it needs to be said that he was not right in all of this. The ball that was in play at the end of the game was given to a staffer directly following the game. Listen to what you just said. I mean, how how (laughs) pathetic is this whole thing? I mean, Giannis was wrong about it. And it escalated. I mean, I guess here's the thing. Not to bring it back to the malice in the palace, but, you know, Giannis, the players on the Bucks are going to back him no matter what. We saw that with Bobby Portis earlier in the game who got booted from the game because of the technicals. But, like, those guys... You know, his brother's on the team and everything else. Yeah, his brother They're, stinks, oh, and, by the I mean, way. Hey, well, of course he does. I mean, you know why he's on the team. And he was I mean, what is angry this, seventh with the grade? foul. I mean, he was angry with the Neesmith foul and everything else. But my point being, if it's a guy at the back end of the bench, you're not going to ride or die with that guy. If Giannis is like, yo, I'm pissed off. I want to fight over this game ball. You know what you're going to do if you're on that Bucks bench? You're going to ride or die with Giannis. Yeah, I think That's it, the difference. I mean, honestly, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you're pleased with how your team responded for 48 minutes. See, like, I think... I think you I would agree with you that. want to see Bobby Portis sure. like that. You want to see a little bit of, yeah. uh, of an edge. You like what you saw with last how night. this season right. has unfolded. And again, I think if you're a Pacers fan, what last night showed me in 48 minutes is there are now teams around the NBA, good teams that highly respect you mm-hmm. and have certainly talked about you behind yep. the scenes. Total agreement. And it's been a long time since this franchise has said that. I I, I guess I'll repeat it again. The Pacers did lose 140 126. Uh, 13-9 on the year at Washington, at Minnesota. Michael Grady, voice of the T-Wolves, going to join us tomorrow. All right, Colts injury report, Andy. Back to reality. Uh, no Jonathan Taylor, no Braden Smith at practice yesterday, so it's lo- looking like those two will not be in the lineup. Good news, though, on EJ Speed, Juju Brents, uh, Jalen Jones. And then on the flip side of it, two things to note for Pittsburgh. Deontay Johnson, I would say the number one wideout, uh, he popped up on the injury report yesterday, so that'll be something to watch with the knee injury. But T.J. Watt, cleared concussion protocol. The Steelers announced that last night, so he is expected to play on Saturday afternoon. When we come back, I want to throw a stat at you. Um, this matchup to me, T.J. Watt against, in all likelihood, rookie Blake Freeland at right tackle, this could be the difference mm-hmm. in the game. Like, yeah. I, I, I just well, They're going to have to help a I, lot, more than they did Miles Garrett. I cannot stress that enough, and what we've seen this year, Andy, is when the Colts have played elite pass rushers, those dudes have looked elite. And so that, I think, is of concern. As much as Mitch Trubisky is of concern for the Steelers, uh, T.J. Watt against a rookie, of concern, I think, for the Colts. Uh, quickly, Thursday night football, Chargers, Raiders, a bunch of 5-8 and eight teams. That's a three-point spread. Aiden O'Connell favored by three tonight. And then also, just to throw this out there, I know it's going back to the NBA. Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. There's going to be a meeting, I believe, today uh, between Draymond, people there in the NBA, and his people to figure out exactly the next step. If he needs some sort of anger management, whatever it may be, that's why they didn't put a number on it. But Draymond Green, uh, you know, suspended indefinitely it could be a while before you see him back on the basketball floor and on the other side what would tj watt mean to the steelers and obviously the colts coming up on saturday we'll re-rack matt painter coming up at eight and continue to talk about Ballgate here on the wake up whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Call. It is the wake up call of KB and Andy on a third. So we need everyone to help us here. Uh, KB, what's your Twitter handle? Mine's at the only Sweeney. I don't know you guys is by heart. I got to be K- honest. K Bowen 1070. Okay, Mark, go ahead. What's yours? Just I, I'm throwing all three of them out there. Mark D 107. There you go. And also in the YouTube chat, we need something better than Ballgate. You would agree with that, right? How with about this one from Kirk? Night? The Spalding Spat. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, Carlisle used the word uh, fracas, 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 I guess. Uh, maybe there's something there. Maybe. I thought he said melee, didn't he? He said melee, point? but I don't think verbal you, melee. Yeah, as a verbal melee, that wasn't that was not a melee. Again, the uh, the game last night, Pacers losers, one forty one twenty six. Giannis went absolutely nuts with sixty four points. Uh, part of the pun with the nuts there, and then after the game, what uh, the game ball? Who has the game ball? That was the big battle. We've been talking about that and playing some sound with that. Now, did you happen to see this? Was seven and a half hours ago. It was about midnight or so. Did you see Tyrese Halliburton? He, <laughs> his Twitter account last night at all. Did you see this? He went Dr. Seuss, right? Yeah, he put up, uh, if people know what the cat in the hat looks like, the book, the Dr. Seuss book, I'm going back to the 1930s now. Uh, he put, he obviously edited the cat in the hat, the cap on this app. Now, can you help me and the listeners on what he may mean by that? We need that translated this morning, do we not? Yeah, I, I don't fully, fully <laughs> grasp that one there. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. He's got, uh, right now, he has uh, f- 591 was, people have responded. It was in funny, ways. like watching it. Really, Halliburton and Lloyd Pierce, I think, were the two Pacers kind of left on the floor when Giannis came back out of the visiting tunnel. And Giannis is clearly pissed off and like is going to make it known. And Lloyd Pierce and Giannis, or uh, Lloyd Pierce and Halliburton are kind of like, dude, w- what are you yelling about? Like, you know, I have no idea what is going on here. And in a very kind of defensive manner, uh, just uncertain of what to say. Jason's been going back and forth with me here on Twitter about the Bucks leaving Giannis in late. Again, Carlisle emptied the bench. Andy, with about five minutes to go, I was a little surprised he did it that early. That, to me, was my first impression. The fact that Adrian Griffin kept his starters in for the next couple of minutes, I was not that surprised by. Uh, Again, one of two reasons. One... I thought Rick might have done it a little bit too early, you know, mm-hmm. and, but just based off kind of how normal NBA games go. It was about go, a 20-point game at that point. It was right around 20 points. Yeah, I thought, you know, whatever. Maybe you leave him in for another minute or two. Um, and then if you're Adrian Griffin, I get, I mean, there's been moments, certainly in the McMillan era, but even in the Carlisle era where you've been on a losing streak or, you know, there's been a couple of moments in a game where maybe it hasn't been smooth sailing and perfect. So you leave your starters in for another minute or two just to make sure that, like, okay, everything, we're going to wrap this up. We're not going to have any issues with it whatsoever. Um, I've got no problem with the Bucks leaving their starters in, Giannis scoring more. I've got a bigger issue, Andy, that uh, Giannis has had two games over 42 this year. Just two. 54 against Indiana and Vegas and 64 last night. Yeah, I mean, like, like, how is that? I get 
we want to be mad over all these unwritten rules of, you know, how dare they leave their players in? Why aren't you mad about the defensive effort? Yeah, yeah, th- that's what I remember when uh, the the Dolphins scored 70 points against the Broncos. That's just one of the more recent examples that I can remember, KB. And we talked about, well, you know, what were they going to do? Should they have been running this play or that play? We get this all the time in sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, football. We get the team that's mad that they're losing, that they're being embarrassed in some sort of way. They get angry if a player of substance is left in the game far too long when it's a 20-point game or a 10-run game in the ninth inning whatever it may be to me uh, and I'm not saying this towards the Twitter guy to me it's a little bit of loser's cramp there I I, I would rather focus on the funnier things that happen at the end of the game and if you want to say the serious thing and that is you can't guard Giannis and he's dropping 64 points and he's doing so only by making two-point shots I mean that's just what's crazy to me like big picture like this guy can't shoot a three but is able to score 64 points in a damn basketball game that's what's crazy to me Obi Toppin fouled out in 20 minutes last night and didn't get (laughs) the Giannis assignment. Buddy Heald got the Giannis assignment initially. I was, yeah. I thought I was seeing things. I mean, who's Buddy's known as one of the worst defenders on the team, right? I mean, I, may, I, I'm asking I this in all seriousness. He'd be the one. You know, when these teams meet, and again, we're less than three weeks away, thankfully, from these two teams meeting. They'll play twice in three nights coming up in early January. Do you put Neesmith on him to start the game? Like, do you start Neesmith and put him on Giannis? Like, I, I don't. Clearly, you have a Giannis issue yeah, in. Think, I think, him. I think you I think you you have to look long and hard at it. I, I wanna listen, I wanna ask you this. Bobby Marks was on yesterday. We don't have to play the clip, but Bobby Marks was on yesterday with JMV, and they were he's from ESPN. He's a front office guy, he's a trade guy, he's a cap guy, he's an insider. But I'll ask you just because we have been back and forth the last few days, and organically I just thought of this about should the Pacers trade for somebody, right? KB, that's something that we've had a conversation about. I think I'm actually coming around more to how you think about all of this. That you have a lot of time, you don't need to make a hasty decision, whatever it may be. But one of the things that Marks was saying was, hey, you're in the Eastern Conference. You know you're going to have to deal with Giannis. If there's nothing else that has been shown this season is that the personnel you have, you can beat the Bucs. You have, you have done so twice this year, but you can't get close to stopping that guy. And I understand that nobody, he's an MVP. He's one of the great players of all time that – that you're not going to stop him. You want to slow him down. The, the the Pacers don't have anyone right now that can slow him down. And, you know, we're throwing options out there, Buddy Heald or Obi Toppin. And I don't think Obi Toppin's going to be here long term. You mentioned bringing up Neesmith, who is a bench guy, and bringing him back up uh, and being the starter and everything else. And that may work out. Who knows? But to me, does does this does does Giannis doing what he's done this year make you think? Hey, if we are gonna make a move in the next year or so, it has to be with the thought of someone who can go out and for at least 15, 20 minutes a game try to slow down and maybe slow down a right. little bit what Giannis can do. I think that's it's worth something remembering over the next twelve months. Yeah, and I would say that thought, Andy, has probably been. Part of the reason why I have been so defensive-minded in whatever that next move is, particularly, again, with the bigger wing. Because if we remember, I mean, 
what Giannis is doing to the Pacers this season, yes, it is at another level. But for the most part, he's kind of done this to Indiana throughout his career. I mean, that is pretty much what he has done um, throughout it. So that's where I kind of look at him like, is there a is there a 25-year-old Thad Young out there? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe that's a disservice to Thad Young, but there are moments where Thad Young did a really nice job against Giannis. And again, I am not expecting the Pacers to hold this dude to 18, to 24. But if you look at his season so far, he's played, I think it's 23 games. Get Andy, he's been 42 or less yeah, in all yeah. these games. Yeah, how about 38 points? But for some reason, <laughs> it's 54 and 64 against you. Um, so that's where I am kind of at. I thought um, Isaac tweeted at me, earlier this morning, and I thought this kind of summed it up really well. He goes, and I do want to make sure that we focus on what happened in the first 48 minutes, because for those that did not watch the game last night or whatever, checked out in the second half, this game had edginess, chippiness, uh, extracurricular, uh, Bobby Portis gets ejected, Aaron Neesmith with, I thought, a very fine, but you know, probably hard foul on Giannis that led to Portis getting tossed there a little bit later, uh, Portis and Toppin. Got into it. Uh, you had Giannis kind of throw an elbow at Halliburton after a dunk. And again, I think some of this stems from Halliburton's post game or post three reaction in Vegas, which all of this is great. Like, this is what you yeah. want. Oh, we I, love it. Yeah. Isaac tweeted at me, goes, Relevance creates rivalries. Total agreement. Reggie versus the Knicks, Paul George versus the Heat, Halliburton versus the Bucks. This is awesome, and I can't wait to watch it ensue. And then in parentheses, he puts, would be nice to hold Giannis under 40 for a change in the upcoming games, however. Like, that, yeah, to me, yeah. kind of sums up everything. Before we got to Ballgate, and boy, some of these are great. Uh, ball before the brawl. Fracus, um, Fracus with the freak. Charlie, decorum at the form. Uh, very good by so many people here on this. Um, the, mid, the midweek Midwest misunderstanding. The, Aaron, it's a little mouthy, but I like the it. The Pfizer fisticuff. Ball before the brawl. Really good there. Um so much of this, Andy, boils down to, hey, the Pacers are relevant. And the Pacers have created an under-the-skin with the Bucks. Again, it will be misunderstood because all we're going to see on ESPN is what happened post-game. But that, to me, is a credit to the Pacers. Having said that, it's utterly pathetic that they allow Giannis to have the nights that he's having compared to the rest of the NBA, keeping it at a much more manageable, you know, whatever, 35-ish. And when you think about it, you know, he had 37, I believe it was. He had 54 in the game back at Gamebridge. He had 37 in Vegas. And remember, Andy, when we talked after that game, which would have been, what, a week ago today, what did we say? How quiet was Giannis late in the game? Right. Like, you you did do yeah, we a nice they, job. We thought they did a fine job. I got 37. Late, late in the game, game especially. Sure. Obviously, last night, that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, okay, so let me ask you guys this. You know, you have mentioned, whether it be the New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, you can go down the list. I'm not saying that this is going to be kind of the marquee rivalry for the Pacers, but I think it is fair, especially if the Pacers continue in the upward trend, if Halliburton uh, you know, continues to be a star, and if they go out, and I think they're going to have to win a little bit more, they're going to have to be a threat in the in the true postseason, right, not right. the regular uh-huh. season, not the in-season tournament, and especially if they go out and they swing pretty big and they get another, you know, if you want to say a Robin to a Batman, and then if they, you know Matherin gets better, who by the way, we haven't even mentioned him, 
you know, at all last night. He's very quiet. He's very uh-huh. quiet for the majority of the game. Um, and we've seen that with him after he's had some good games. So that's something we can dive into later. But, you know, there's there's always a team. And right now the Pacers don't have that. And as they're ascending, I mean, don't you feel like it very well is becoming Milwaukee? Do you want it to be Milwaukee, I guess, is what I would add. Now, they haven't played, if I'm mistaken, um, they haven't played the Knicks yet this year. And they played the Heat. And there was no beef with the Heat, right? I mean, those were just two pretty good games, right? They split those two games. I mean, I, I didn't, re- I didn't look at those games and say, "Oh boy, there's something here with Halliburton and Jimmy Butler," right? They even won a game without Halliburton uh, against Miami. So, hey, Philadelphia, you played them. I, didn't, I mean, you know, Maxi had that great game, but I don't see any kind of drama. It could be Bucks and Pacers, and I did not expect that to be the case. Is that something? Is that is that is that fine with everybody? That you know, for this era, the rival might be Giannis. I did not expect that to be quite honest. Yeah, I don't think Pacers can Pacers fans care who the hell the rival is. They just want to have one again because that means you've done something from a win loss standpoint. That means there is substance to these regular season games. Um, you know, we still can't lose sight, Andy. You haven't won a playoff game in six years. You haven't won a playoff series in nine years. So, you know, words in December, actions in December, that's all you can do right now. Um, but come April and May, it, it is going to have to be, you know, more than that if you want to be there on a perennial basis. So, uh, again, for those that missed the 48 minutes of basketball and only see Ballgate uh, or Spalding Spat, I, I think that's my favorite one, by the way. The Spalding Spat's pretty good, man. We get something with Wilson. Yeah. I, I don't know. The, the <laughs> evolution, I, I, I don't know. Something along those lines there. Um, but there was a lot of just natural in-game, we don't like you, you don't like us, you've beaten us, we're mad about it, we didn't like how your stars celebrated uh, late in that game in Vegas. So that's all fine and well, and that's great. Like oh, that's, yeah. that's what, it's, you, it's what you want your team to have created. But And I had a buddy of mine text me last night. Andy, I think it's also key this. Don't let this become Colts-Patriots in that decade span where it was a rivalry here in Indy, and New England was like, we beat you every year. Why is it a rivalry anymore? Like... You've got to make sure you hold up your end of the bargain. And again, Indiana's won the first two. Yeah, so far so they have, yeah. they did that. Make sure when you meet on January 1st, you meet on January 3rd, you continue to send a win-loss message to the Bucks of, we are here, we want to be here, and it not turn into me whining about Ryan Day after the Notre Dame game. the the Still the best thing for people that don't know, I, I know Scott Agnes had Twitter out there. We'll have him coming up at 8.30. Reminder, our conversation with Matt Painter here in about six or seven minutes. And by the way, that's a great conversation with Matt Painter. I mean, he talked 22 minutes of basketball about his team, about recruiting, about officiating, how you officiate Zach Eady, uh, and a bunch of great things. But again, there's video out there last night of the ball goes up, for the final shot of the game, it comes off. The ref gets the ball. A a bucking a Buccaneers, a Milwaukee Bucks staff member, equipment guy, whoever he may be, comes out and gets the game ball that's being played there at the end of the game. There is clear video of that, which makes you think, as Carlisle and others have said, that the Pacers got the alternate ball. And all for Oscar Sheboy, who got his first NBA point last night late in the game. And the only thing it just continues to make me think of is 
that guy, while the while the while the fracas with the freak and the Spalding spat and the ball gate and everything else is going on, this guy is in the locker room knowing that he has the game ball for Giannis. While Giannis is running up and down the tunnel and Chad Buchanan's being elbowed in the ribs and has a broken well, maybe not a broken rib, has a bruised rib today when he wakes up. You ever broke a rib, by the way? No. I never have. Sounds I've heard it's terrible. You can't breathe and stuff like that. You can't laugh. You can't cough. You can't sneeze. You can't do anything. Ugh. Chad Buchanan, that was the first Ugh. defensive effort the Pacers showed all night, I think. <laughs> Someone's saying we've got to come Singer. up with like an, there's got to be like a Midwest like interstate thing we can intertwine with with this whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. What I-65, I-94, I don't Sun know. King's better than Spotted Cow. I I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm grasping a straw. We'll but figure pe- it out. People might fight you over that one. <laughs> Not me, but some people might fight whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You over that I one. Spotted cow a little overrated, to be honest oh, I with like you. That. Now you're talking. Uh, Matt Painter on the other side. All right, Mike DeCourcy will join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk some college basketball within Big Basketball Weekend, obviously, uh, Indiana and Kansas, and uh, we'll talk with Matt Painter. We'll be talked yesterday. We'll get to that conversation. Number one, Arizona coming into GameBridge. We'll do that, and then Scott Agnes will join us coming up at 8.30. But yesterday, KB, we're at the end of the show. Uh, we had about, what, 20, 25 minutes with Matt Painter, uh, and he just talked about his team and Zach Eady and how do you officiate Zach Eady and what he looks for in a recruit Braden Smith conversation. Uh, so it was a pretty good basketball conversation. And we start that conversation yesterday with the non-conference schedule. His team off to a 9-1 start on the season, getting ready for Arizona on Saturday. Here's that conversation with Purdue basketball coach Matt Painter. Yeah, you, you know, you try to handicap it as best as possible. Um, it's a little different. I think it's easier for us than it is for a lot of other people that are signing you know, four to seven guys in the spring through the portal. Um, we've taken two guys out of the portal in three years, which is the fewest amount of people um, for a high major program in the country. So for us, it just stays consistent. If you think you're going to have a really good team, have a really good schedule. You know, if you think you're going to, you know, have some guys where you like your players, but you don't like your experience and maybe you don't have, you know, quite like the Maui field, like you, you want to just be consistent with where you think you are now sometimes you get surprised you, you know you want a positive surprise not a negative surprise but that it was much easier to do 10 years ago than it is today but we just felt with the team that we had um it might you know with zach coming back it just made a whole lot of sense to do that but you really got it in place before that so we've tried to build our schedule up and uh, just put ourselves in those positions obviously we've had a lot of success yeah, in some MTEs, in some non-conference stuff um, in the past three years. So just trying to be consistent, trying to get better um, as far as where we are with our team, you know, just trying to improve. Um, other night we we had some – we played good defense and they made shots. Uh, we, we didn't play good defense and they made shots. So a little bit of both. I thought there was – when I went and watched that – we did some pretty good things, and they made some tough ones. And then at other times, we just had simple breakdowns, especially handling some screens. And we got to do a better job on the defensive end. Um, but I really liked our fight. I liked how we stayed with it. Um, we just kept coming. I, I like how Braden Smith's evolving into someone who could score the basketball. 
and, and that is what we need. Um, but we have a lot of guys. We, we have um, some guys that are starters that come off the bench for us. And uh, we can go a couple different directions with our front line. We can go a couple different directions with our backcourt. And I, I just really like our pieces and I like our makeup. He's Matt Painter. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. We thank him for the, his time here on this Wednesday morning. Coach, specifically to Saturday, how did this game come about? Last year, you know, it was Davidson in this you know post kind of crossroads right. classic era. Specifically, how did Arizona become the opponent? Yeah, well, we're going to return this one. Um, we'll, you know, we'll play them. I think in Vegas next year. It's kind of we're trying to evolve a tournament where you go to three different cities and play. Then obviously going back to the the West Coast for them. If you look at Arizona's, you know, schedule and you look at what they have, you know, they turn around after our game and play Alabama and Florida Atlantic after already playing some really really good teams too. So. You know, I think everybody is really trying to load up their schedule and, and do some different things. So, yeah, we, we, we discussed it and, and talked about it and went back and forth. But I think you, you're seeing a lot of programs doing what Arizona is doing right now in, in terms of their schedule and trying to figure things out, like how can we do things. Sometimes people don't realize, like, you get into an MTE and you get into it like four or five, six years down the road but you don't always know like who's actually in the tournament. Like you'll want to know um, if you can get in those MTEs and you can win your first game. A lot of people don't talk about this, but it really helps your net because once you win that first game in something like Maui, you're guaranteed to play, you know, Tennessee, you know, right. you're guaranteed to play Kansas or Marquette. Like, you know, that's, and even if you get cracked by a couple of those teams, one or two of those teams, you're still not going to get beat up on selection Sunday because you lost to Kansas on a neutral court or you lost to Marquette on a neutral court. That's just not the way it works. And I think once people start to see that, now you got to win some of those too. Like you got to be able to win some of those. You just can't, you know, sign up for it, get your brains blown out, and then expect <laughs> you to be on selection Sunday and feel good about it. You got to win them. Like, you know, so when you schedule up, you know, now, like if you can get to where you can split some of those and then win your other games, you know, which sometimes becomes difficult. Right. And like, that's really when you can set your seat. I think we've been six or seven years in a row now. I don't know the years where we have a five seat or a better. There's only, you know, only Kansas has done that in the country. So Elliot Bloom handles our schedule and we, we really kind of sit down and kind of figure some things out, but we want to make sure that we're not on that negative side on Selection Sunday where they look at us and they say, hey, they got a good team, they got a lot of wins, but who the hell do they play? Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want that said about us. We want to be able to do that. And if you see with our seed line in the last five, six years, whenever it is, um, we, you know, we've done a pre he's done a pretty good job with that. Obviously, our players have done a great job because they're the ones that have to win the game. You brought up Braden Smith earlier. I thought Saturday was I thought that was sectional eight, Braden Smith and and his score. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, his scoring going to another level. What do you recall about your first impressions in watching Braden? Well, he people called about him and it was in COVID. So it wasn't like really fair because we had a commitment from somebody, but I had multiple people calling me saying, you know, hey, he's a really good player. Like, you know, hey, we can't take him. And then we had a kid decommit from us and we jumped on him and watched him. And at the same time, like when something like that happens, we've had some real good success with that. We had a kid from the NBA decommit from us and we got Carson Edwards. Now this kid from the Philadelphia area decommits from us and we get Braden Smith. So uh, people that decommit from us is a, like a, might be a silver lining. It might be a great we get, <laughs> No kidding, get, goodness. Get, yeah, they, they need some votes to get in the Purdue Hall of Fame. And, um, and, and just, I watched four guys that were nationally ranked. 
anywhere from about 60 to 150, you know, people that we felt like maybe we could jump in on a little bit late after this decommitment. And I watched him. So I just sat there one afternoon and I started saying, Hey man, like the guy that's not ranked is better than all those guys that are ranked. I go, but it's film, right? Which, you know, you're watching it. It happened. It's whatever, but you like to see people versus competition. You like to see people in person and in COVID, you just weren't going to see that. So I just started to do my homework. See, sometimes when you do your homework in recruiting, especially if you got a lot of other people that talk to a lot of different coaches, I don't want people out there talking about what we're discussing because I don't, I said, Hey man, this looks like this is the guy. This looks like a, like a real player, like a guy that could step in right away. And obviously he broke his foot twice his senior year. So I just started calling a lot of different people, hopefully in confidence, trying to figure out just kind of his makeup and everything just checked off in terms of a competitor, a winner, tough, you know, his instincts are so good. You know, one, one guy, a college coach actually called him a basketball savant. And I was like, well, I, I know what that means. Like, you know, you're, you're more or less, you know, saying he's like a little baby genius out there running around, <laughs> you know, the, the way he thinks and the way he sees things. And he does. He has a really good feel. Now, sometimes guys like that that see everything, sometimes they see things that don't exist. So you got to make sure that they understand that it's the read. Like, don't go in with determined thoughts. And he's just evolved that way. He's probably the only recruit where in the spring I picked up and, you know, his dad's obviously in the in the basketball world. So pick up the phone and called his dad and just said, Hey man, we really got to work on him shooting the basketball. Like how many, how many times do you call parents and say, Hey, like, you know, if you're working him out, let's, let's try to build up his confidence. Let's try to get him going to where he's got to shoot the basketball. Normally you get guys that take bad shots. You got to curtail it. You got to tell them this isn't what's best for Purdue. And, you know, and you get into that field where this was the opposite. You know, he just wanted to set everybody up. He just wanted to be a, you know, just a total distributor. And we can't have that when people are playing all those drop coverages, blitz and ball screen switching things you got to have a maestro out there that can manipulate all that but if you're always looking to pass they're just going to play you to pass and he's really evolved in that area but he's always been able to score so it's always been there if you watched him in high school he'd take over the game you know if Hafner was making shots he might not shoot as much if if he wasn't or somebody else wasn't going and then it was there for him he'd take over and score it was just kind of whatever his team needed well our team needs for him to score and so we really tried in the spring, like, you know, hey, like he had a tough tournament. You know, he had some, some tough games, but he's our guy. And, and you're going to have some growing pains with somebody that you know has the ability to be an all-conference level player. And, and we've had those, but you kind of see the benefits here because he's really taken off. Yeah, he has. Brayden Smith up in points, assists, field goal percentage, three-point percentage uh, in about the same minutes. Matt Painter with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, I'm just, I was just you mentioned Maui a couple times. Did you ever look in the crowd and see some of the outfits that the Purdue fans had? You had a Darth Vader mask and everything else in attendance in Maui. It's quite impressive. I, I, I do not. <laughs> oh, you did? That's all <laughs> we talked about. Court and I, yeah, if I, if I walk on the court and I see, I always see those guys when I walk on the court oh, yeah. with, those, with those crazy yeah. suits. I see them, yeah, Purdue. but I don't. Yeah, there's stuff going on around me. That I don't. Yeah, I would just say kind of worried about the next. Play. I would say Purdue had the craziest uh, fans there, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned getting two transfers in just three years, which, by the way, coach, is a crazy number. Lance Jones comes in, averaging about 11 points per game for you. What has he brought to your team this season so far? You know, just giving us some quickness, really kind of offsetting some things for Braden. That that helps Braden 
in his load in terms of having another guy that can guard the basketball, having another guy that can push the basketball and use his quickness. Um, but a good guy, just a guy that's no different than David Jenkins. They've really fit into our program, got a good way about him, competitive, um, just kind of learning you know, how we do things and the, and the details of things. I think that's an important piece because the details are important. you got to compete within the rules that you have. And he's a competitor and got to get him kind of up to speed there. And, and he's growing in that area. But um, he's been great. He, he's really given us what we needed. Uh, Matt Painter is with us here. Obviously, Arizona and Purdue. It is sold out coming up 430 mm. on Saturday inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Coach, I know uh, <coughs> Nate Oates had some comments, uh, I think, earlier this week on Zach Eady and how he's officiated uh, in that game on Saturday. Obviously, that's been a hot-button topic, I think, for you as well over the past couple of years. How have mm-hmm. you seen Zach being officiated this year on both ends of the floor? Yeah, well, you know, last year we had, you know, we had a stretch where it was really bad and it was high-level officials in our game, kind of like they were refing like the rules were different. And that's the only thing that I've been able to say um, is just make it consistent. Like, you, you can't get a coordinator of officials or the head of officials on a national level to say we have two separate rules. But yet we had two separate rules last year for a while. And how he got officiated was different than how everybody else got officiated. And they're acting like he's getting the benefit of the doubt, and it's the flip of it. So it really shows their lack of intellect when it comes to basketball. If you actually – you can't sit there and look at a box score, or you can't sit there and not watch every play and then go back. Um, the start of the Alabama game, like twice he gets wrapped up, he gets wedged, no call, no call. And I'm like, man, here we go. And then all of a sudden they picked up on it. So when you go back, you got to be able to go back and say, okay, 1742 right there, first half. Go back and look at this. All right, 1555 in this. Go back and look at this. You can't sit there in theory and speak on something without giving support. It's like going into court and saying, hey, here's my theory, but then you don't back up your theory. And the jury and the judge are looking at you like, hey, man, like – you got to convince us here. You just can't go out and say something. How we've gotten to where people that don't understand something speak on something publicly is crazy to me. That's crazy. It'd be like me popping up and say, okay, here's what we're going to do in this chemistry lab. All right, guys? And then people that are chemists would sit out there and go, no, no, that, that's, that's not it. Like, that's just not – so, like, now, like, this allows – you know, people to talk. It's what talk radio is, you know, and now it's just gotten to a new level. But with him, you can't wrap your hands around him. You got to play legal defense. You can't stick your knee up right there. You can't put two hands in his back. You can't like any good official will tell you, you can't mess with the shooter. Any official will say that you'd like, man, he barely hit him on the elbow. Yeah. Well, if you're shooting a 20 footer and you barely hit someone on the elbow, it affects the outcome. You can't mess with the shooter. So a lot of what they've done. So we go into the Northwestern game this year and the year before it was just a joke. I mean, one of the worst officiated games I've ever been a part of. And they go into it and we go back and they miss three really crucial things at the end of the game. But I'm so excited that they actually ref pretty well for 38 minutes. Like I'm just like afterwards we got beat and I'm like, Hey man, these guys did a great job. I go back and watch the film. They had three major misses at the end of the game, but I could care less. I was like, Hey man, you, you guys were fair. You were consistent. You missed some at the end, but at the end of the day, like compared to last year, you know, you guys are great. You need a raise. And so I was like, like, this is fabulous. Like whatever. So that's what we need. We need consistency. The guys that go out, like we play Marquette. Okay. This is a great example. We, they foul 18 times. We foul 11. We had the fewest amount of fouls in the country last year. 
Okay, so just take that for you know 362 teams. We're the fewest amount of fouls because we work on not fouling. And Marquette fouls us twice at the end of the game on purpose because they're behind and they have to. So it's really 16 to 11. When you start that game and you watch how they officiate, they get it right away. Bang. He held him. Bang. They get this. They get this. They get this. Now, for 34 minutes, we have a really good game with not a lot of fouls called. All because they started the game. They wrapped him up. Foul. They hook him foul they just get it right away and now they don't have to mess with this stuff for 40 minutes because now that team adjusted marquette adjusted they were trying to switch ball screens they had mismatches you know and then the rest of the game is just easy and so that's all they have to do but when they sit there and they don't see it the thing that they miss officiating that's different than most is he will swallow you up on the baseline what i mean by that if you're the baseline official and you're sitting there, and you got to look through that defense sometimes, how they foul him and what they do, whether they're holding him, whether they're locking him, whether they're pushing him, all right? They're, they're, sometimes it's subtle, but subtle things don't move him very much. What happens is that outside official, my terminology is not going to be great because I'm not an official, that outside official that's at the angle, he's got to be able to look through and see all that. And, and really come in and help that baseline guy because Zachary's so big, he takes all that stuff up there. So when I see all that stuff, because obviously I go through things for, you know, looking for Arizona stuff, looking for recruiting stuff, and I see this stuff, and then, like, I didn't listen to that guy who spoke on another day, but I see, like, just whatever the headlines are because I'm not reading it. Um, every now and then I'll jump into it and read it. It's crazy to me because you got to be able – the good ones that go out that, that follow basketball, they always just – you know, they always will show the clips to support what they're saying. But it's just the consistency of refing and understand that you can't go in as a ref as a theory and say, here, we're going to let you play today, guys, and we're going to call it close today, guys. you got to call – the fouls that are in front of you, you, you got to, you know, you got to understand advantage, disadvantage, but you also got to be together as a crew. So if you got a new crew and they come into the game and they've never watched clips on Zach Eady, or they've never watched Purdue play, you got to do your homework. Like I'm watching Arizona, Tommy Lloyd's watching Purdue. If we got three officials on our game on Saturday and they've never went through and watched Arizona play or watched Purdue play, and they don't have a feel for those things, then they're not doing their homework. But on a guy like this, that's different like that. You just got to know. You got to know what's real. You got to know what's fake. You got to know what affects things. And then you got to be consistent to be able to go at the end and say, hey, he gets fouled, you know, the most and he gets called the most, you know, and then not look at the real game and say, hey, man, you know, he gets the, the reason he gets away with stuff. Like sometimes he fouls and doesn't get it called and coaches lose their mind is because those officials as human beings, they know that they're passing on stuff at the other end. And even though he's getting the most calls, he still gets passed on those calls the most. So now they're sitting there going, dang, that could have been a foul. That could have been a foul. I didn't call that. So then Zachary fouls at the other end. And then they're like, well, I'm letting him get fouled. So you, you get into that whole mind game of things and you don't have to get there. Just call them. And then when the when they do call the easy and the obvious ones, he's he's running through lineups. You know, he's he's fouled out the starter, he's fouled out the power forward, he's fouled out the backup center, and now it just accumulates and now we're living at the free throw line, which we want to do. So that's all we want. You know, we want the same rules for him as everybody else. 
He is Matt Painter, and again, Purdue and Arizona coming up 4.30 on Saturday. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Last one I wanted to throw your way. You mentioned earlier about Braden Smith, and you kind of laid out some of the qualities that you liked about him in the recruiting process. I want to flip it the other way. What turns you off from a recruit, whether it's what you're watching on the floor or what you potentially have to deal with off the floor? Yeah, you know, it's more more or less like when you, you get everybody. You have to understand that. So if I sign a player, you, you get them all. You get Uncle Billy, you get their parents, you get their coaches. You get, I mean, just be consistent, you know, as a coach of knowing, hey, this has worked for me and this hasn't worked for me. And, and, and don't put any personal strikes on it. It's just sometimes things work for you at a certain school or a certain conference or a certain personality or whatever it might be. So just try to understand what's worked and what hasn't worked and, and stay with that and understand how they fit in and how they're going to come in. Because you can get some guys that are really hard workers, but is their passion basketball? Their passion has to be basketball because it's going to get hard and it's going to get tough and you got to be able to fight through adversity. So our staff has done a really good job. Um, People put a big emphasis on recruiting. I put a big emphasis on evaluation, knowing who you're getting, knowing who you're signing. Can they come in and be able to play right away? If they don't, can you still grow them to where now they have a chance to develop and and, and help your team down the road and kind of live and understand what's worked. So, um, you know, for us, you got to get out there and watch too and don't let other people do your work. Like I really like certain guys and like other people don't. And then like they come back and say, well, how'd you see that? Well, shot 48% from three. He had a three to one assist turnover ratio. He makes 84% of his free throws. He lives in the gym. He's a simple person. He has no baggage. His parents are cool. Um, Like, you know what I mean? I don't want to deal with crap. I just don't want to deal with it. And so like, if somebody like is a really good player and all this, but then the, the person that's handling them, you know, is, you know, is a pain in the ass. Like, I don't want to deal with it. So I just go another direction before you take, but then you get mad and you're like, what do you mean? The, the guy that's next to him was a pain in the ass to the AAU coach. And when they start complaining on the phone to me about the AAU coach and the high school coach, <laughs> hey guys, get, guess who's next? <laughs> yeah. The old college coach, he's next. And so it's like, like, they'll be like, whenever they ask me stuff, I always say, hey coach, what do you think? I said, I think I want to coach him in college. And they go, well, what do you mean? Like, no, no, no. What do you think about like this right here? I go, no, I'm, I'm not doing that to somebody that people do that to me. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to say like, hey, man, why would you do that and say that about me when you've never been in our practices? You've never even met me. You don't even know how I treat people. Like, like why would you do that? So I'm not going to flip around and now do that to a high school coach, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm going to support him and say like, hey, man, he's the high school coach. He's in charge. Like, that's, that's just that. I'm, I'm, I just want to coach him in college. Yeah, but, you know, what do you think here? So they get into all that, and they make it worse. And it's just like, back up. That's what I always say, like, you know, hey, with my kids, I just, just be their dad, period. Don't be their coach. Like, be their dad. Like, I'm the coach of the players I'm producing. I'm not somebody else's coach. If you want to come and join our team, now I'm your coach. But, like, just keep things in checks and balances. And I think it really helps the kid because they get a lot of pressure on them. They get a lot of things coming their way, and they read everything. So, like, they get on a high level when they do well because so many nice things get said. And all of a sudden, like, hey, you're 9-1 and one and you lose one game, and now you're the worst player in the world. No, you're not the worst player in the world. You had a tough game. We got outplayed. Let's try to fix it. Let's work on it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's basketball. 
Like it, it's not who you are. And sometimes when you're younger, you, you kind of look at that and get that twisted. It's our job to make sure we keep things in perspective for our players. All right, there it is. Matt Painter joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. What a great, that's a fantastic just basketball conversation. And they're 9-1. and one. And listen, I listen. Matt Painter at the beginning of the interview was like, you're not going to say that we didn't play anybody. It's like, yeah, no kidding. Look at that. <laughs> Look at the non-con schedule. And then who you will end up playing eventually in the Big Ten. And a big one in GameBridge on Saturday against number one Arizona. Uh, Dave, uh, one of our listeners, uh, not just good basketball stuff, good life stuff. Always good to hear Coach Painter. I love his common sense approach. I can't wait for Saturday at 4.30. I'll go dual screen there up in the Colts press box and get a little Purdue and Arizona action in. Again, Arizona, big. They do not foul with their big guys very often. Uh, Very balanced. Again, they put up 98 on Mm. Wisconsin, Andy. Most points per possession against the Badgers in six years. So, uh, Really looking forward to Saturday. It's going to be a busy day. Of hoops. Speaking of hoops, and I guess literally the basketball, uh, we had crying and whining over who got the basketball after last night's Bucks and Pacers game. Uh, let's begin with a temper tantrum in Milwaukee. Yeah, like KB mentioned, uh, Ballgate, the uh, what, what else do we come with? The Spalding Spat. Spalding Spat, Ball Before Brawl, <laughs> Pfizer Fisticuffs. Well, that's a good one. Those are my top three right now. Oh, Fracas with the Freak. Uh, so lots of different ones today. 140. Oh, I kind of like that last final. one. Say that last one again. The the Fracas with the Freak. Ah, the Freak reference yeah. there. I, I, yeah. Okay. You add like that? that to the list. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to add. So we got four or five good, good ones again. Tweet at us. Uh, we'll read those as we go today on the wake up call. Reminder: Scott Agnes at eight thirty. So he's coming up here in about five six minutes or so. Mike DeCourcy coming up in the nine o'clock hour. So let's move through this quick. Bucks winners last night one forty one twenty six. Aside from the game, and Giannis was so good sixty four points. He went to the free throw line thirty two times. He scored sixty four points. KB and did not make a three. 0-3 from beyond the arc. And then, of course, everyone knows the battle after the game. Giannis unhappy going up to Pacers assistance. The battle after the game. Uh, the what battle, is this? Gettysburg? The battle, the battle, what are we doing here? The, the, the battle after the game. The who year took, was 2023. Who took the game ball? Uh, we know now the Bucks. you know, security, yeah, security personnel, they got the game ball. But at the time, Giannis did not know. He ran down there. There was the whole, you know, back and forth near the Pacer locker room. Post game. Here's Rick Carlisle on what happened with that game ball. What happened at the after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There's a misunderstanding about the game ball. It was Oscar Shibwe's first NBA official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball, and a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. A fracas, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players. He certainly has a bruised bruised rib, and who knows if it's anything more than that. But unfortunate situation. We don't need the the official game ball. There's two game balls there. You know, we could have taken the other one, uh, but it didn't need to escalate to that. Third game we played these guys within 
two and a half, three weeks. Things are heated with the competition. You know, I, I understand all that. But for it to come into the hallway was didn't need it didn't need to happen that way. I thought, uh, uh, shout out to Patrick, by the way, I thought he summed up this very well. He goes, both teams owe everyone an apology for making this a talking point. I could not agree more with that. Uh, (laughs) The Pacers need to apologize for being so horrific on defense that they allowed a dude to score 64 points in the game. Andy, the five Indiana starters scored 65. Giannis scored 64. So there's there, there's the first apology. So I would like a statement today from Herb Simon, and then uh, who's the Bucks owner? Is it doesn't Haslam, the Browns guy, have some stake in the Bucks? Uh, whoever has uh, ownership of the Bucks, they need to come out and say we are sorry for our star acting like an absolute three year old kid, unable to share with his cousins on Christmas. Because that's exactly the, what the temper what was, tantrum was. What was the game. Twitter guy's name? What was it? Patrick. Patrick. Here's where. Yes, you guys are not fundamentally. You guys are right, but here's where I'll we disagree. We need Twitter notes app apology <laughs> by noon today from Herb Simon and the Bucks. Come owner. on, the times times up, Herb Simon. But here's the thing about it: where you guys are wrong. This has given us a great talking point. Has it not this morning? Is it silly? Yes. But you know what it does show? It shows that the freaking Indiana Pacers are under the skin of the champion Milwaukee Bucks. And that is a good thing. And I love it. And now the January games are going to be juicier than they were. Let's you know go. what? And that is true. But Andy, I don't even think we needed postgame for that for that take to yeah, be said not, yeah. this morning. I mean, literally, when the final you know horn sounded last night or triple zeros on the clock, I jotted down a couple things. And one of them was, this has got a little bit of Pacers Pistons. Right. This has got a little bit of Pacers Heat vibe to it. The 48 minutes, for those that missed it, very chippy. Ejections. Uh, technical fouls, Giannis elbow in Halliburton, Aaron Neesmith with, I thought, a very fine, but you know, a little bit of a hard foul on Giannis. Um, so even we didn't need the, again, uh, just petulant temper tantrum from Giannis last night post game for that to be the case. Uh, the Pacers did lose, by the way, 140-126 uh, off to um, D.C. coming up on Friday. And then Saturday, it'll be a back-to-back against the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is a top team in the league, or excuse me, top team in the West. And we will have TV voice of the, the T-Wolves, Michael Grady, on the show tomorrow. Uh, Colts injury report from yesterday, Andy Sweeney. No Jonathan Taylor, no Braden Smith. So it's looking like those two will miss another game. I would think the loss of Braden Smith is absolutely v- I would say one of the most important players that you want in this sort of game, considering T.J. Watt for the Steelers has cleared concussion protocol and lines up primarily opposite that right side. I do want to try and get to some more Watt-Colts impact-related stuff today if we've got time, Uh, but that is just a huge, huge storyline as we look ahead to Saturday. This line has shrunk a bit. Started Mm -hmm. as the Colts favored by about three at the start of the week, down to one and a half today. Yeah, a couple different things. Thursday night football coming up tonight. If you want to watch at 8.15 on Prime, Chargers on the road uh, with the Raiders, both teams 5-8, and eight, a bunch of backup quarterbacks. That's going to be a gross game. Draymond Green suspended indefinitely in the NBA. And then Kirk Signetti, our guy, Coach Sig, at least. Uh, now, Zach Osterman has some more details up at the Indy Star. At least six-year, 27 mil is what you're looking at. 
uh, six-year, 27 mil, and then a bunch of different escalators and $100,000 here for Kirk Signetti. So he's going to be making some nice change there. A $20 million, that original buyout, if they got rid of him after one year, then it goes, then it goes down three years after that. So uh, some terms now finally coming out a couple weeks after on what Signetti's going to get there in Bloomington. Now that, Oh, your mic's off. Your mic's off. There you go. Sorry, I got one more news item that I want to pass along. But did you mention there uh, for every bowl game adds one year on? I saw that note as well. Yeah, you know, five hundred thousand, I believe, for making a bowl. I I saw that at Kentucky. They used to have a thing with Mark Stoops when he got to seven wins, he got a raise and he got another year. Now they amended that because you know they got good enough uh, there. So I'm not surprised by that for Signetti early on. If he can, he can get some good cash here if he can win in the first couple years of this deal. Again, Scott Agnes going to join us here in a few minutes. It is a melancholy end to this morning checkdown. The Pacers just announced uh, one of the all-time greats, certainly here in the state of Indiana, regardless of high school, college, ABA, NBA. George McGinnis has mm. passed uh, 73 years old. Again, Mr. Basketball right here in Indianapolis at Washington, uh, Indiana University Hall of Famer, MVP of the ABA Finals, Basketball Hall of Famer, and uh, certainly a jersey that you see up in the rafters inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So, 73 years old, thoughts with the McGinnis family, uh, and by all accounts, uh, an unbelievable human as well as an incredible, incredible basketball player. Uh, you listen to the uh, Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5, The Fan. You miss Andy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The show, check it out, 1075thefan.com. You can check us out, Podcast Center, listen live, and everything else. Uh, else. Query and Company coming your way at noon today. Lots to talk about there. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. Uh, go ahead and give us give us the news that you reported there. You didn't report, but that you read the Pacers uh, tweeting out, what, just minutes ago, right? About McGinnis, I yeah, believe? Yeah, George McGinnis passing away at the age of 73. Um, you know, been some reports all week long, you know, about, fortunately, been in some poor health. Um, you know, just an absolute basketball icon, you know, in this state, Andy, no matter, you know, what level, you know, whether it was at Washington as a high schooler and a Mr. Basketball or, um, you know, early 70s at IU, and then certainly from an ABA, NBA standpoint. And like I said before the break, by all accounts, I was talking to Mike Chappell about George McGinnis mm. yesterday, and, you know, as great of a player. And, and I, I'm, you know, I don't think we are like this at all, but if you did the Mount Rushmore sort of, sort of debate in the state of Indiana, he's sure. on it. I mean, oh, there yeah. is zero sure. debate. Sure. But just as a human being, um, check so many unbelievable qualities in that box as well. So um, think about the McGinnis family here on this Thursday morning as uh, we lose a great one here uh, today. Uh, let's get Scott Agnes uh, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline Fieldhouse Files. Uh, Scott, good morning as we get you on here. I, I don't know if you have heard the McGinnis news. I guess any reaction to that this morning? Yeah, good morning. No, I, I just heard waking up to that news myself. Um, I, I know he wasn't doing well health-wise and, and, and sad to see Sad to see this for him and for his family and his whole Pacers IU community. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So we'll keep, uh, I'm sure there'll be stories throughout the day on that. We'll keep, uh, kind of keep you updated if anything else is tweeted out by the Pacers here. Again, George McGinnis passing away, that being announced earlier this morning. Well, I guess let's get to the, I mean, I mean, now we go to the trivial stuff, right? We go to the basketball stuff and the, the ball gate and the Spalding. What is it? The Spalding spat. Uh, oh, and, I added one more, else. by the way. Okay. Oh, here we go, Scott. All right. Scott, hold on. Uh, hear me out on this one, okay? This is from CW. Turn the other Greek cheek. <laughs> yes? No? Boy, I like that one better than Scott did. Scott, well, he to gave be you fair, a half smile on that Scott, one. Scott, wow. you were up until what hour of the morning watching video over who got the game ball? <laughs> yeah, it was a 4 a.m. night. about Nothing about oh. a true basketball game. Oh, unbelievable. I, I guess, uh, Scott, you've watched a million angles. You've listened to everybody's thoughts post-game from the Pacers and Bucks. For our audience, and by the way, thank you for waking up with us. For our audience that might be waking up and having missed what happened, let's just go final buzzer to now. Describe what you saw and heard. Yeah, buzzer sounds. The ball lands in the hand of James Capers, one of the officials. He hands it off to one of the Bucks security details, who like three seconds later hands it off to what appears to be a Bucks staff member, um, kind of on the left arc. And the Bucks staff member uh, seems to be high up there. It's the same guy that later on deals with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that would represent to me kind of maybe the head of security or right there. Uh, up there, if if it was the same thing as the Pacers, but anyway, so then that Bucks staffer has the ball, and then camera shots cut away on both the Pacers and the Bucks broadcast, where you do not see, you know, does this individual pass it off again? Does he walk off the court with it? Uh, what have you? But that for that reason alone, it should be pretty simple for the Bucks to go back to either the. Yeah. Like 32-plus cameras, basketball ops usually has available to them or just the general security cameras that they have available in Pfizer Forum um, to go figure out quite quickly. Because then after this, over about a three-minute and 30-second period, a lot unfolds that initially makes no sense. And, and I can go much further after that if you want, but that's kind of how the initial transaction uh, happened. All of this, and Scott Agnes with us, Fieldhouse Files. Scott, all of this is funny, it's petty, it's stupid, mm-hmm. it's silly, it's all those things, but I don't know. There's a part of me that likes kind of what happened last night. It was a chippy game, there were flagrants, there were technicals, Bobby Portis was thrown out of the game, you had Giannis give the little forearm shiver to Tyrese Halliburton, You and even after the game, you saw Giannis and Halliburton kind of going back at it and you know you know the the two wins earlier on this season by the Pacers against the Bucks and maybe a little bit of you know some of the celebrations and everything else I like that there is potential potentially here a budding rivalry the Pacers have earned Scott the chance for someone like the Milwaukee Bucks to pay attention and not like them and on top of it I love that the Pacers are getting under the skin of Giannis and company what did you make just as a whole of people are paying attention to the Pacers and because they beat the Bucks twice the Bucks do not like the Pacers seemingly 
Yeah, especially more so because within the last week, they blocked them from potentially winning 500000 in the championship game, too. So if there's the money motivation to continue on like there was for the Pacers and Lakers, there's also that that sense of disappointment that they made, uh, you know, Giannis and the Bucks went all the way to Vegas to lose on his 29th birthday and miss out on the money to have to fly all the way home, right? Like, mm-hmm. that could be the general way of describing just their last week and all. But, no, you're right, because it feels like a lot a lot was said and unsaid last night um, that carried a, a little bit more additional weight than maybe any additional regular season game. Much like the in-season tournament, like – it felt a little bit bigger last night. Now, I'm not ready to quite call it a rivalry. I'm not sure there's really any true rivalry in the NBA anymore. That's the one thing mm-hmm. that's really evolved over the last couple of decades, I think. Um, I think for the Pacers to get there, they've got to get back to the playoffs. Ideally, maybe meet the Bucks in the playoffs before that can truly be a, a rivalry on both sides. I think we saw that, right, KB, on like the Colts side. right? The rivalry's not back on with New England until the Colts actually do something of relevancy. But between the, like, three-hour game, which is about an hour longer than usual, the, uh, I think, eight technicals, and then a lot of uh, pushing, shoving, talking, that was a lot last night. And it definitely meant more than your average December game. Scott, last one for me. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files. Last one for me in relation to last night's game, because I actually want to ask you about Vegas and a little bit more on-the-court activities uh, I mean, nothing happens, right? Like from a league standpoint, I, I, I'm trying to think of like how does this move on until mm-hmm. you know January 1st and 3rd when these two teams meet to end the season. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some clarity from the league, but this is a pretty nothing storyline. I would say moving on in terms of suspensions or fines or anything like that, right? I think so, but it's it's definitely something that the NBA and their security are going to call the Pacers. They're going to call the Bucks. Double check, understand what happened because what they're what they're not going to like most probably out of this is some of the behavior post game, including three at least three Bucks players we know of going towards the Pacers huddle or, or tunnel, I should say, and having some kind of at least face-to-face with, with each other. Um, we don't know anything more other than Rick Carlisle saying that Pacers GM Chad Buchanan took an elbow. It sounded kind of uh, – it was all unintentional. It wasn't anything delivered by the Bucks, but that's something that NBA security is going to want to call in, see some tape, take a look into. There was an alternative camera, I think, uh, a video posted by uh, the ESPN affiliate in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't show the, the, the greatest of angles, but it did see kind of the Pacers' reaction. Um, it didn't show anyone being violent or out of control on their end or have, you know, um, you know, charging anything by anything. But uh, that, that would be the thing you wouldn't like, is you would not like uh, the Bucks, especially Giannis, charging, sprinting towards the Pacers locker room like you're trying to start something, even if nothing did happen, like like it really didn't. 
Scott Agnes with us here, Payless Liquors Hotline. All right, Scott, I want to play this sound for you. Now, I listened to this during the break. Uh, I found this. It was on Reddit, but a couple people on Twitter mentioned this, how the announcers there in Milwaukee, I don't know, Mark, you listened to it. Was it fake superstar they called Tyrese Halliburton? Well, oh, yeah. Wannabe, yep. A wannabe superstar. So that is something going on in Milwaukee. Tw- you know, Milwaukee Wally Bucks, Zerbiak 2.0 uh, here? Bucks Twitter, social media, something, Scott, that is very verbiage and a phrase, I guess, that is being used. This is about 25 seconds. This is from the Bucks broadcast last night. Physical at both ends of the floor. And if, you know, if a, if a wayward elbow catches somebody in the nose, if a, if a forearm shiver catches a, a you know, two cocky wannabe superstar in the chest, so be it. <laughs> I'm not naming any I names. I was going to say to be I'm, named nameless. No, no, I'm just saying. Just figure I, it out I, yourself. I, I, I'm speaking in all right, so there you go. A, uh, and I need to look up who that is. A I mean, what an idiotic wa- comment. A cocky wannabe superstar. So that's something that in Milwaukee Bucks land is absolutely being talked about the last few weeks. Well, they also said there was another part where, ya- where Halliburton bumped into Giannis and fell on the ground, and the announcer also called him one of the best floppers in recent memory. What do you think, hmm. Scott? Yeah, that that you just don't do that. You guys know as announcers, like what are you what are you talking about? No, you, you call it as you see it, and that that felt personal. I mean, obviously, it was a playoff of what Wally Zerbiak said last season, right before Tyrese was named a first time All Star. And by the way, to kind of play off this. I can go back and start the conversation perhaps on Las Vegas. And we were sitting there at the post-game press conference after the Pacers had uh, beaten the Bucks to move on to the finals. And I just remember a, a total random media member sitting behind me talking amongst themselves going, huh, I wonder what Wally Zerbiak's thinking right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was a, was a pretty great comment considering Ty had led the Pacers to the Finals of this in-season tournament, but no, that's that right there. That clip you played from the Bucks TV—that's just totally unprofessional. You can talk about maybe the way in which he over-exaggerated something for certain, but fake superstar. There's nothing fake about what he's doing right now. And if they knew or followed him more closely, you'd realize everything he does comes from the heart and is genuine. Yeah, that's about as stupid as honestly what we've talked about for the first 90 minutes today, which is saying something. Uh, boy, I feel like this is a TMZ version with Scott Agnes here from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, uh, uh, yeah, there's there's no basketball included. You talk about what, right? What the announcer sure. said and what they did with the basketball and who kept it. Well, yeah, when you give up 64 right. to a dude, it's probably a good thing for the Pacers. We're not talking about the performance on the floor last night. Uh, I will end with this, and as always, again, appreciate your time, especially on a late one for you. You were out in Vegas um, for the in-season tournament. I will continue the TMZ fodder. You caught up with Lance Stevenson, and he's starring in a movie? Tell me more. <laughs> right? Of course he is. That's exactly what I told him, KB. Uh, yeah, I was like, hey, what have you been up to? I haven't heard much from you since you were playing in Puerto Rico for one week and then returned home because it was not a good uh, situation. I think his coach got fired during that stretch. And anyway, it's like, yeah, man, I started a movie. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I've heard about this. It's on Netflix. He's like, no, 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 I star in this one. I'm the man in this one. And so uh, I, I guess – as he explained, it's in the movie, uh, according to IMDb, is in post-production now, meaning all recording done and now the editing and all that stuff. Uh, it's kind of in that phase. But he's a uh, – it, it kind of reminds me perhaps of it's like that Adam Sandler Netflix-type show, but 
Um, yeah, Lance is, is uh, the uh, former NBA player, and they kind of tell his story. Not Lance's, uh, by the way, to be tr- fair, too. It's not, quote, based on a true story. I literally asked him that. He says it's not. Uh, he's just a troubled NBA player that runs into some issues on and off the court, and he really enjoyed it. Gosh. I I love this, but then I see the 10-day contract. I'm thinking, Scott, this dude's going to play till he's 44. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a real hooper. He is absolutely one of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is what he's all about. He, he lives in Indy, lives in Vegas, goes back and forth. I, I did get a laugh out of the fact I was like oh so you're in Vegas now he goes oh yeah the minute it turns cold I go to I come here to Las Vegas where uh, <laughs> his parents have lived they've lived here probably for more than a decade that's good for him yeah that's where I wish I was yeah Lance Stevenson <laughs> movie 10-day contract in the G he might be the first 10-day contract in the G League ever to be a lead role in a movie with that scott uh thank you uh, for the time this morning covering a variety of topics not very much related to the 48 minutes last night so appreciate the time and again scott's latest he was all over it last night on the video and the reaction from pfizer foreign thank you scott all right thanks guys scott agnes right there on the payless liquors hotline um all right we are way over so let's get to uh, mike DeCourse. we'll talk a little steelers with him and a big college basketball weekend in the state we'll do that in about 10 minutes Appreciate you joining us on this Thursday. Appreciate Scott Agnes joining us. You heard our conversation with Matt Painter. All of that up on the podcast center at 1075thefan.com. Mike DeCourcy going to join us here in just a few minutes. We'll talk some college basketball with him. National Landscape, Indiana, Kansas, Purdue, Arizona. Going to be a busy weekend here in the state of Indiana. And then he's also he's also a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and they blow into town, obviously, on Saturday. Saturday afternoon, but KB, the conversation, I'm looking at Kevin Bowen right now. I think you're done talking about the Spalding spat. I think you're done talking about what happened after the Pacer game last night. I'm looking at you. You're tired of it. You did two hours of it today. The Cream City Crybaby, as somebody has described it. That's a good one, too. I tweeted out, by the way, I do like that one. Um, We have some great ones. People are very smart and make me laugh here on this Thursday morning. I tweeted out like around midnight last night. I don't have the energy to argue over who's right or wrong over a game ball like I don't I, I and I thought Patrick uh, summed it up pretty well in the YouTube chat earlier today uh, both franchises owe us an apology the Pacers can start off and say <laughs> we regret our defensive effort leading to Giannis Antetokounmpo having 64 points last night again uh, 42 points that was the season high for Giannis in every other team he's played this season he's at 54 against Indiana and 64 against Indiana. So there's the first apology. And then the second apology, uh, Giannis can say, I apologize for acting like, making Rosie Bowen uh, look like her temper tantrums are tame with how Giannis reacted last night to a ball, a game ball. You've you mentioned this a few times when all the kids get together here in the coming days for Christmas. That is a worry for you guys. No, I mean, the over the cousins are going to yeah. fight over a toy. Right. The over under is <laughs> two and a half minutes on when when <laughs> wow. the first crime so quick. will happen. Um, again, for those that missed it last night, Bucks Pacers, very intense game, chippy, edgy, ejections, technicals. Uh, Halliburton gets elbowed by Giannis. You know, I said it all show yesterday. How is Milwaukee going to respond? And I thought they would be on edge, and boy, they were. It was clear. And then, to be fair to them, they played like it. They pulled away from Indiana in the second half. I don't think the Pacers led after the first quarter. Um, and so the Bucks pull away. They're late. And then at the end of the game, 
The Pacers think they're getting the game ball because Oscar Shibway scored his first points. Giannis thinks he deserves the game ball because uh, he scored 64. Uh, we had ball gate play out <laughs> and quite the post-game reaction as Giannis and uh, several Bucks players stormed up the visiting tunnel after the Pacers. Just pathetic reaction by the Bucks, uh, and equally as pathetic was the Pacers' defensive effort. And I guess it did happen. Poor Chad Buchanan, the GM there, is the one that, that got the worst of it if he has a bruised rib today. He wakes up not being able to laugh, sneeze, or cough without a little bit of pain in his side. I hope Chad's if that's okay. What happened. I know, man. Come on. I do. And there is a part of me that's like, oh my God, is this really what we're talking about? It's what we've talked about for the better part of two hours. Uh, let's get Mike DeCourcy on here at TSN Mike, the Sporting News Big Ten Network. Now, we are going to talk some college basketball with him. Uh, his Pittsburgh Steelers, you even wrote about him at the Sporting News, so we got to pick your brain about the Steelers and Colts. But just quickly, Mike, have you seen any of the stuff this morning with Giannis and uh, the Spalding spat, ball gate, if you will? We've been talking. We've been talking about it for the better part of two hours this morning. Good morning. Yeah, I, I just don't need another gate, man. We just don't need it. <laughs> like I, the Spalding spat, that's good. I like that. Let's stick with that. But no more gates, man. Um, I'm with it, you. It, you know, I was alive for Watergate. You guys, you know, you guys weren't. Like, we don't need any more. There's got to be another way to describe a scandal than just attaching gate to everything. I would agree. It's laziness. That's what it is. Although It I really feel, is. Although deflate gate, I mean, that's going to stay the way it is. That did Sorry. rhyme. So yeah. that was that was, yeah. that was, that was, that was rhymes always come into play. Mike, before we get to number one, two, and three in the college basketball rankings, playing in the state of Indiana coming up this weekend, let's do start with your Steelers, if you don't mind. Uh, I would think T.J. Watt clearing concussion protocol is a huge, huge deal for Saturday. Is that enough to overcome Mitch Trubisky and the ineptness of the Steelers' offense? Yeah, I don't know if it is. I mean, there are days when it has been. Uh, he and Alex Highsmith basically won the Cleveland game with turnovers deep in the Browns' territory, one of which was turned into a direct touchdown. Uh, so it's possible. But the offense, this, Steelers fans can't figure out why they lost to two bad teams. Well, that, they lost their quarterback. I mean, the quarterback – and I understand, look – I understand Kenny Pickett wasn't Johnny Unitas. I mean, I get that. I've watched. But, he, but he's better than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we're seeing that. Uh, we're seeing that both in terms of uh, the uh, safety of not turning the ball over, which Trubisky, I mean, excuse me, uh, Pickett had gone through, uh, I don't know exactly what the number of uh, attempts was, but it was well over 100 attempts without throwing an interception. Trubisky got out there, and I think his first or second ball went into the other team's hands. Uh, so that's a, that's a big part of why they've been as poor as they have. I mean, I, I've seen various comments about uh, since the firing of Matt Canada, how many points they're averaging. Well, halfway through the second game without Canada, they lost their quarterback. I mean, we it's so much in Pittsburgh now has devolved into vacant criticism. Just basically, they're not winning, so they need a new coach and and all of that. It's it's really disheartening to see. They have had three coaches in 50 years. And in those 50 years, they have won more games than any other franchise by a significant margin. You wouldn't think that one franchise in this league could be 20 games or so ahead of the nearest competition, but they are. They've made as many or more playoffs as any other team. They've won six Super Bowls. Only the Patriots could match that, and only during the Brady era. And yet the people who follow the team haven't figured out yet why it's, why it's worked like that. I mean, it's been 50 years. You would figure that they would understand by now that that 
stability, that commitment to stability is a huge component of why they are successful. And yet they really would rather just be the Jets so that you'll fire a coach every three years and then you and then you don't have to yell at the same person. He's Mike DeCourcy. He's fired up with a terrible towel here on this Thursday morning. We appreciate that. By the way, thank you to Michigan legend Stu Douglas. He mentions the NBA ball is Wilson, so we're going to go with whining about Wilson. Whining about Wilson. There you go. Wilson so wine. There you go. Unfortunately, the Spalding spat is out. Whining about Wilson <laughs> is in. I, I do like turn the other Greek cheek. It's a little wordy, but it's funny. That sounds educational, so it, it I really like that does. one. Yeah. It really does. Some education involved with it. That's what we're providing. Here is hilarity and education. Mike DeCourcy with us here uh, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. So, where, I guess, where are you with this team, Mike? Are you hopeful? Are you hopeless? Do they need to, you know, you want to make the playoffs? Do you not want to make the playoffs so they do make some changes? Uh, what do they need to do here? I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to think of the Pittsburgh Steelers this late in the season. Well, the changes are inevitable because they removed Matt Canada as offensive coordinator, and I don't think that they're going to promote or, or leave in, in place the, the, the gentlemen who, who uh, are replacing him on an interim basis. They, they need a new offensive coordinator. They'll, they'll need new offensive coaches in various positions. And I, I, and I wrote this. I think Matt, the, 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 the Canada episode is indicative that Tomlin's input into the next offensive coordinator should be very minimal. I've joked that, that they sh- he should be allowed to meet him uh, or, or before before he accept before that person accepts the job. Uh, but that would be the extent of his contribution to that particular move if I were in charge, uh, because it was a disaster, and, and it was a disaster easily predictable. Matt Canada's record as a college offensive coordinator, I, I don't want to say it was abysmal. But for someone who was to be an NFL offensive coordinator, it was atrocious. He, in, in a dozen years, I think it was around exactly a dozen years as a college offensive coordinator, his, his teams averaged 57th in, out of 130 or so D1 schools in scoring. So what, what about that says, oh, this guy's got to be running an NFL offense? And so that, that, was, that, that, that was disastrous enough that Tomlin should not have a huge say but that doesn't mean every single person that makes a, even a significant mistake deserves to be fired. What, do your players continue to play hard for this person? By and large, they do, because if they didn't, this team would not be nearly 7-6. and six. He is Mike DeCourcy. Um, I guess we should transition now to some college basketball. Um, Mike, I guess to put it simple, is the Big Ten bad this year? It's not, well, certainly not up to the standards of the last four years. It's, it's, it's disappointing for sure. Bad is a strong word to use, sure. uh, but it's because because there are very very good teams in the league. And I mean, what happened with Northwestern last night was bad. There's no doubt. Uh, losing to Chicago State at home was it was a dreadful result. But they're not the only ones that have had that happen to them. Uh, Villanova's lost three games in Philly. Uh, they lost they lost the two Big Five games to St. Joe and Penn, and they also lost to Drexel. Uh, which they, they, the city six, they have to expand to add Drexel in. Uh, they, so you're seeing that happen in more and more places. Uh, Kentucky losing to UNCW, not, not a, a Chicago state level loss, but still not a loss that you would expect a major team with big talent to lose at home. Uh, I think you're seeing uh, more and more teams that, you know, I, 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 this sounds 
this may sound pejorative, it's not meant to be, but when more and more mid-major players are on high-major teams, they're you know they are accustomed to losing the mid-major players. And if you're if you're at Valpo or you're at uh, at Ball State or you're at Indiana State, you've lost a few games to mid-major players over the years. And so if you're now at one of the major powers and you're counted on to provide uh, significant uh, input, uh, significant contributions, there you're you're vulnerable to a team that's a mid-major team. Mike DeCourcy with us here at TSN. Mike, you want to follow him there. Saturday afternoon, a big one there at GameBridge. Uh, you know, what, number one versus number three in the country, Purdue and Arizona. How does Purdue need to win that game and just handicap that matchup? It should be an absolute fun game. I love this Arizona team and Tommy Lloyd. And at 9-1, and one, we know Purdue's humming along. And Purdue already with, what, four or five big-time wins on their resume early on this season. Well, it starts with making sure that you that you get the ball uh, as often and in as good of positions as possible to Zach Eady, and that's what that's what wrecked Alabama on Saturday up in Toronto. They they did a terrific job of getting the ball to Eady. Uh, Braden Smith has to play a terrific game against Kylan Boswell, the, the fine young uh, sophomore point guard for Arizona. Last year, when when Arizona was struggling at times, and when they ultimately struggled in. The, their game in the NCAA tournament, I thought that Boswell wasn't used enough. I, I thought that he needed more run, and he's showing that I, that what I believed I saw in him was definitely true, uh, that he is really very capable. It'll be interesting to see how Caleb Love plays in the game. Caleb Love has had a very good start to his season after leaving North Carolina. Uh, that's a position that's been really interesting uh, for uh for Purdue because they played multiple players on the wings. Uh, It's been a lot of Fletcher lawyer, uh, but it hasn't been exclusively him. Uh, We've seen miles Colvin get more time. We've seen Cam uh, uh, get in there as well. And so I I think that there's, there's a lot of options. And of course uh, they, they, they don't have to necessarily use their shooting guard to deal with love. They have other options defensively as well. Uh, so I think that there, I think that's that matchup. Making sure that Love doesn't have a fun day uh, is a big part of it. But the biggest part, it, it always rests with Edie. And again, Arizona's got some pretty impressive size for college basketball to try and slow down. Zach Eady again, Mike DeCourcy's with us for his work at Sporting News, Big Ten Network, TSN, Mike on Twitter. Uh, how vital is Indiana trying to pull off the upset Saturday, Mike, to their non-conference resume? Well, I, I think at this point, I mean, you, you don't go into a game saying we need to beat a team like Kansas or we're uh, or in huge trouble. I mean, uh, because it, it's it's still, even though the game is at Assembly Hall, it's still not likely, especially coming off the game that they played against Auburn. But it's not it's not beyond reason that they could do it. it I, I've spoken before about going to Assembly Hall at times. I, I don't remember the exact year. It was either 16 or 17 uh, that they played Carolina and, and it, at, at the Assembly Hall in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And it was, that was not as good an Indiana team as this is. Uh, and that might have been a better Carolina team than this Kansas team. And the, the crowd was so into it, was so deafening, was such a part of that, and it elevated the play of the Hoosiers, and it, uh, and it 
de-elevated. What's the what's the word there for that? I'm not sure the proper word. It it, it dropped the level of play uh, for the Tar Heels, and they were able to pull that upset. So I mean, I think they need a great crowd. I think they need a great performance, and I think they need to find a way. Uh, They obviously have to defend the three-point line better than they did Saturday, but I think they need more uh, really quality looks for the three-point shooters they do have. You're just not going to beat high major, good high major teams two points at a time from beginning to end. you got to get some more three-point offense for this team to work. Mike, I remember you mentioning, I'm trying to think of the exact verbiage, but you didn't believe it was totally like personnel with Indiana. They just need to, you know, play better, kind of learn their roles, figure out substitutions and everything else. And that was probably like two, three weeks ago. We well, probably longer than that than we had you on. Is your mind changed with that? Does Indiana have enough, you think, to make, a, a, you know, to me, to simply make the NCAA tournament right now? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, they need Xavier Johnson back because they need Gabe Cups in the role that his freshman year was expected to be, which was coming off the bench uh, as, a, as a reserve point guard and as a, as a periodic shooter because he's a very capable shooter. But when he's having to carry the point guard responsibility because of Xavier missing, it's hard to, for that player to do both uh, run an offense in a high major game when he's only played about 10 of them uh, and also concentrate on getting open shots for himself, or or have the team get open shots for himself. From time he'll get the time to time he'll get the ball kicked back out to him at the at the end of a cycle through an offense that's not successful, and maybe he'll be open and can and can pop that shot. But there's not a uh, there's not going to be a lot run for him as a, as a point guard. So they really need Xavier Johnson back if they're going to make a run at the tournament. Uh, that's 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 the primary ingredient that they need. I, I've, I've really liked what I've seen uh, from, from this team. I, I think Khalil Ware has been a, a revelation. He wasn't as good in the uh, Auburn game as we've seen him for most of this year, uh, but I think a lot of that was what was going on around him and not necessarily his responsibility. We're seeing Mackenzie and Baco start to feel a little bit more comfort uh, on, the, on the perimeter playing offense. We're starting to see that. So I think a lot of things are rounding into shape, but being absent the point guard and and therefore being kind of affected almost at two positions or one and a half positions because you're not as strong at point, especially defensively uh, with, with Xavier gone. Uh, and you miss that, you miss that little three-point touch that the Cups can bring coming off the bench. Mike, last one from me. And again, Mike DeCourcy is with us here talking a little Steelers early on, some college basketball. As well, Reed's work at Sporting News, Big Ten Network. Um, Juwan Howard, h- how messy is the situation right now up in Michigan? With yeah, you know, not necessarily maybe the uh, you know Phil Martelli running the huddle, uh, but another incident off the floor with him from a physical standpoint. Yeah, well, it didn't get physical by all accounts. It, it, in the initial report that was presented to uh, uh, the Athletics, uh, Brendan Quinn, uh, it was said that it wasn't physical. Uh, and then the reporting that Jeff Goodman from Field of 68 did yesterday, uh, it, it was affirmed that it wasn't physical. Now, it was, it, they did have to be, uh, according to Jeff, held back from one another, the, the strength coach and, and, and Jawan. But uh, there, were, there, there was nothing uh, that, uh, that occurred physically between the two of them. So I, I don't immediately attach it to what happened at, in, in the Wisconsin game. I think it was February of 22 that that happened. I don't immediately attach it to that. Uh, but I do think that it, 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 it does, 
I think based on the reporting that was done, it was a comment made by the strength coach. And again, this is not me. This is, uh, this is what was presented through reporting. Uh, a comment made by the strength coach about Jawan's son uh, and, and about the state of the program in general. And, and I think that it, it, he, was a, he was affronted on two fronts there. Uh, uh, so I can understand why he would be angry. And since he, didn't, uh, since he did not uh, escalate that to physicality, I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with him getting angry. Uh, I, I, I could see where, as a father and as the person running the program, that he would feel insulted and be angry. Uh, if it had gone beyond what has been reported, then I think it would be a significant problem. Uh, if, if, if indeed the reporting is accurate, and I think Michigan's still looking at it, I don't think they've concluded their examination of this. Um, if, if, if that reporting is accurate, then I don't think it's a huge problem at this point. But I do think that Jawan uh, would be wise, uh, based on the reaction to this, would be wise to make sure that his temper is is in check. And we based, you know, based going back to that Wisconsin game, the fact that he has had verbal uh, altercations with other Big Ten coaches, uh, I think at a certain point, uh, not everybody, yeah, there's 355 coaches in Division One, maybe 360 now. We don't hear that from a lot of, uh, of them. We don't see these things happen a lot. So it's probably better if he makes sure that it doesn't happen again. Mike, great mm. stuff. Good luck juggling your Steelers on Saturday amidst a busy day. <laughs> What's well, a busy day for of Mike DeCourcy? Basketball. Oh, my God. Uh, as always, appreciate the time, Mike. Thanks, guys. It's Mike DeCourcy right there, Payless Slickers Hotline. We haven't mentioned this as far as Saturday. Obviously, again, number two Kansas at Indiana. Uh, to me, that is... You get to the NCAA tournament and a win over Kansas, that can bump you up a full line if you want to look at it from a seeding standpoint. I think that's monumental for the resume of Indiana. If they don't get that one, the non-conference resume just is so blah and lacks anything of substance. You've got Purdue, which we've talked about a lot, 430, them in Arizona. Again, Matt Painter, if you missed that, that's up on our podcast page. Um, But we should also mention the first game over Gamebridge Fieldhouse uh, on Saturday, Andy, you've got nine and one Indiana State and eight and two Ball State. Uh, we did the exercise about a month ago. When's the last time a mid-major from Indiana? Yeah, it was Valpo has right? made the tournament. It's been quite some time. Valpo and what was it? 2015, 16? I'm trying to think of. Yeah, Scotty was in here and he was he was telling us. I want to say it was like 2005, but I could be wrong. Oh, I, I think remember. it was more recent than you that because I think you also had Indiana State well, somehow look, in the 2010s. I'll, I'll look it up because, and I don't remember yesterday, let alone uh, four <laughs> weeks ago when we had this conversation. But from Josh Schertz and, and, and Tara Hope, Michael Lewis and Muncie. Very nice starts to their respective seasons there. So we'll see about Indiana State in the MoVal and Ball State in the MAC if either of those teams can continue their hot start and potentially make the tournament. So how are you going to have the? You going to have multiple computers up there or at the at the well, game? I, I, the I should game, be good just with this? one, right? So as long as I got Purdue, Arizona. Yeah, I think you'll be fine with that. By the way, I, I guess I disagree with Mike. I just 2015 for yeah, Valpo. I just don't, yeah, it's 2015. They got to the what the second round. They lost to Maryland, I believe, 65-62. I just I don't think. I don't know. We're year three with Mike Watson, and we're having to say, well, you know. Uh, here's how they can get to the tournament. 
Boy, I I think Indiana fans, I think that's going to be something we talk about here a lot more. Obviously, when the Colts are done, we'll see what's going on with the Pacers. But when the Colts are done, don't you agree? Whether they're in the playoffs or not, we get to the end of the season, deep into the postseason, the Super Bowl and everything else. I kind of feel like Indiana fans are not going to have as much that's going to be taking their attention. I think Indiana fans, when they get, you know, January, February, are not going to be happy with this team. That's my read of the situation. I mean, I, it's not that I think Mike Woodson's a bad coach or anything. I just I just really don't think they have the horses, right? That they have the players. And you want, I mean, you have a couple players, but can they get that much better? I don't know. I tend to think they play well on Saturday, but they don't beat Kansas. Does that make sense? Yeah, Assembly Hall, I mean, you just never know. I mean, I feel like sometimes you see teams walk in there and, you know, Mike brought up that North Carolina game from a couple of years ago. Those teams just kind of melt inside of that building. So I will be curious how Kansas reacts to it, I guess. Are we still on Xavier Johnson watch? You know, he's missed a couple of games, a couple of weeks now. Uh, he got hurt against Kansas last year. Uh, that obviously is a big one. But with the Big Ten a little bit down, again, this adds to the importance. It's not like you sit there with the Big Ten schedule oh, yeah, and you have seven top 20 games. And you're not beating Purdue twice this season. You're sitting just there. And even Indiana's double games in the Big Ten, they're not necessarily in kind of that marquee. You, you know, you, you have this with Notre Dame was one of these teams a few years ago when, when they were the play-in team. They were the two seed in the ACC, Andy. But... They were a play-in team because their non-conference resume was so bad. So just because you go, whatever, 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten, 13-7, however it plays out, does not guarantee you a spot in the tournament. Um, we are going to get to a pop quiz here in a bit, 317-239-1070, and a morning check down. We haven't played the clip. We played it for Scott Agnes. We haven't really given it a lot of attention here this morning. Uh, amidst all of the stupidity last night in the Pacers-Bucks game, especially post-game, the stupidest moment of the night. There is no debate of that. Uh, Marcus Johnson, do I have the name right, Mark? Yeah, that sounds right. Marcus Johnson, uh, the color analyst for the Bucks TV broadcast, calling Tyrese Halliburton a wannabe all-star and saying he's one of the biggest floppers in the NBA, easily takes the cake of the stupidest comment last night. <laughs> In relation to the Pacers-Bucks game, which is saying something, because oh, we man. had a lot of stupid oh, yeah. last night. We had a lot of, of bad defense from the Pacers. We had a lot of stupid temper tantrums from the Bucks after the game, but nothing was stupider than that comment. It's one thing for Wally Zerbiak to say what he said. Very similar comments. You know, what was it, this time last year? Unless you've been under a rock, labeling Tyrese Halliburton as either of those two things is easily... Easily the dumbest. Probably here with two weeks left in the year. Probably the dumbest thing I've heard in 2023. You want to hear those clips? Yeah, let, let's hear them. But wait a minute. KB's saying all like all the way to the end of the year, you heard the dumbest things you've heard all year, two weeks, two, three weeks, whatever it is, before we get to 2024. Wow. Mark, play the stupidity. Okay. Physical at both ends of the floor, and if you know, uh, if a if a wayward elbow catches somebody in the nose, if a, if a forearm shiver catches a, a you know, two cockies want to be superstar in the chest, so be it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not naming any. I names. was going to say to be named nameless. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in generality. And then here's the other one where this is after 
Halliburton bumped into Giannis yesterday and fell to the ground. Indianapolis, November 9th. The Pacers were able to survive that. That will skew things to the pocket. Oh, Halliburton. Wow. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Okay. They're going to review that. Well, he, Giannis was just there. Was he? No? You know, we, we'll have to take a look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, I need to see it a second but, time. But, you know, Halliburton is, is one of the best floppers that I've seen in a long, long time. Just stupid. Oh, man. Utter stupidity there from the Bucks. T- Again, that is Marcus Johnson. He's want to make in. sure we get the name correct there. Uh, the dumbest comment I've heard in 2023, calling Tyrese Halliburton a wannabe star. Well, okay, I agree with that. I almost think the flop, the flopping allegation is worse. Well, that I'm was trying after. To, I'm trying to think of how many times I've thought, oh, Halliburton has flopped, and I can't think of any. And no, he just I, weighs as much as you know Max Bowen. Yeah, He's just I, a light dude, yeah, and Giannis and that is, wasn't last night. He didn't flop last night. I didn't think. And Giannis that comment, literally bulldozes people when he's in the paint. And that comment came right after Giannis threw the elbow. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he Halliburton. flopped, and I can't even remember. Like, if he was a historic flopper, I feel like we would have six, seven different instances already in a month and a half, two months of the season to where I could go to and I could say, oh, yeah, three weeks ago against Philadelphia, you know, you know, a month ago against Washington, Miami, that doubleheader there. He had a couple instances. I don't feel like anyone... Like, I don't feel like we've talked about that at all with this team whatsoever. I think they've kind of been a tough, scrappy team. That's the way I viewed them, at least. Yeah, just huh. beyond stupid on that. And, um, and and one thing I think to note as well from last night is, uh, you know, when you saw Bobby Portis react to Aaron Neesmith's hard foul on Giannis, I think that's something that, you know, maybe this Pacers team lacks a little bit. Somebody reacting in that manner to whatever Giannis did to Halliburton or just in general, it got to a night with Giannis where right or wrong, you just needed to commit. And I guess Neesmith did a little bit of it, but Andy, you just needed to commit a big time foul against him of enough is enough. You know, his just constant bullying to the rim, bullying you in the paint, getting to the foul line at will, uh, all of it. Um, just absolutely uh, tormented uh, the Pacers all night long. Yeah, let me say something about Bobby Portis. I wrote this down. Uh, whether you like him or not, and again, he reacted a little bit too much and it ended up getting him tossed from the game, okay? It didn't ultimately matter, but he did get ejected from the game. The reason I bring this up is yesterday we were having the conversation on here about Draymond Green. And my point was, Draymond Green, I believe, started out to kind of be a protector, a big brother to kind of, you know, to to someone like Steph Curry, okay? Steph Curry is a smaller guy. He's an outside shooter. If you're going to get in the head of Steph Curry, perhaps even Klay Thompson, how are you going to do that, KB? You're going to be physical with them. And so in those championship runs, what did the Warriors need? They needed an enforcer, a tough player, someone who did not mind mixing it up. I I truly believe that that's how he viewed himself, but that's how the Warriors viewed Draymond Green. And he was, at one point, an enforcer. And then he kind of just became an ass, right? And and became a dirty player, quite frankly. Uh, Kicking people, kicking people in the groin, punching people. We saw that a couple nights ago. And he went from enforcer to kind of being an ass and really hurting his team. Instead of filling a need that the Warriors had, he kind of went above and beyond. And now he is detrimental to them. He is hurting them, in my estimation. 
Bobby Portis, he's an enforcer. Does that make sense? Like, that's the way I view him. He also had a big night off the bench scoring. Yeah, and he's a good player. He's a, you know, yeah. they won the championship a couple years ago. He was a big reason why he signed to stay there, and he understands his role. That's how I view him. Now, he was a little crazy last night and everything else, but KB, that's, that's what Draymond started out as. Then he became a hack and a dirty player and everything else. But Bobby Portis, you know, there was a foul. The Neesmith foul, A, was a hard foul, and B... If you're seeing it for the first time in real time, it looked almost, I mean, it looked dirty. It looked like, okay, he's trying to hurt our player. You know, Giannis is having his way. We know what he's done to the Pacers and everything else. And so Portis goes out there as the enforcer. And that's what Draymond used to be. That's what it made me think of last night when Portis wouldn't mind mixing it up. And then he and Toppin go back and forth. And ultimately, he's thrown out of the game. Uh, it is time for a morning checkdown here on the Wake Up Call. All right, I hate doing this to you, KB, but I got to do it. One forty-one twenty-six. That's the final. All the uh, ridiculousness after the game with what was the Wilson? We had the Spalding spat. What was the Wilson whining about Wilson? Whining about Wilson. The ball gate. Last I think that's night. what we're going with. Uh, and everything else. Rick Carlisle. He was there for it. Here's what he had to say about that. what happened at the after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There's a misunderstanding about the game ball. It was Oster Shibwe's first NBA official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball, and a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big... I don't know. I don't know what to call it. A fracas, a melee, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players. He certainly has a bruised, bruised rib, and who knows if it's anything more than that. But unfortunate situation. We don't need the the official game ball. There's two game balls there. You know, we could have taken the other one. Uh, Again, part of me wants to laugh. Part of me wants to cry about all of this. Um, I'm just so glad that we don't have to talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> it was a nice reprieve from like the Pacers just getting their asses kicked. You could you had something sure, to fall up back a lot, on, I guess, yeah. from last night. Uh, Washington tomorrow night, one of the worst teams in the NBA. It's in the nation's capital for the Pacers, back to back with the T Wolves. Michael Grady, by the way, going to join us coming up tomorrow to round things. The rivalry is back on. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Colts yesterday, <laughs> speaking of Chris Ballard, uh, the injury report, no Jonathan Taylor, no Braden Smith. So those two look to be uh, missing another game. And T.J. Watt for the Steelers, he has cleared concussion protocol. It'll certainly be a storyline we'll focus a lot on tomorrow's show. Uh, this is a huge deal. If you look at the history of Pittsburgh, especially lately with Watt, he makes about a seven-point difference in the game. I mean, think about that. A single defensive player making a seven-point difference when he's on the field versus when he's off it. Um, so, final injury report coming later today. Final practice of the week for the Colts. Again, it is a NFL Network game. CBS locally. Colts favored by one and a half in a monumental a playoff implication game coming up on Saturday.
Yeah, just quickly, Thursday night football coming up tonight. Raiders hosting the Chargers, a bunch of 5-8 and eight teams. Uh, if you have gambling purposes on it, like Keenan Allen's not going to play, so I don't know who besides Devontae Adams, maybe Josh Jacobs is even going to be on the field fantasy-wise. Again, Raiders, Chargers, Thursday night football, that one at 8-15. We mentioned Draymond Green a little bit a couple minutes ago. Draymond Green is suspended indefinitely, so we'll see exactly. They're going to take their time there uh, in, the NF, in the NBA to see exactly what's going to go. And then the unfortunate news, what would you say? About an hour ago, uh, the Pacers tweeting out George McGinnis passing away. George McGinnis passing away at 73. Hall of Famer, three-time NBA All-Star, three-time ABA All-Star, two-time ABA champion, IU All-American, Indiana, Mr. Basketball. When you think of the state of Indiana, you think of George. No yeah, again, it. you know, I'm not into this kind of Mount Rushmore or you know any sort of debate on that end by but there's no debating you know where George McGinnis would lie in that he'd certainly be on that whether you want to look at the high school resume at Washington uh, whether you want to look at the collegiate resume at Indiana or certainly from an ABA MBA standpoint uh, and by all accounts just a terrific terrific human as well I read uh, Mark Monty had a great piece uh, back in the 2017 Hall of Fame induction um, on uh, Big Mac and it, it was just a great great read and getting to know a little bit more of uh, certainly one of the uh, absolute basketball icons in our state's history. So George McGinnis passing away. Uh, Pacers announced that earlier this morning. Obviously, one of the few jerseys you see up in the rafters inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, all right, it is time for the pop quiz. On the other side, we'll do that. 317-239-107. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, pop quiz time. I still want to give it to my story if we can. We haven't had time uh, because of all of the hilarity happening after the Pacer game last night. Not even the Pacer game itself, uh, but what happened after the game with Giannis and everything else. I noticed looking at this right now, looking at my email, that a couple questions. We did not get to the pop quiz yesterday. Scotty was unhappy, uh, not with us, but with Matt Painter, specifically the Purdue basketball coach. I'm joking, of course. So a couple, a couple of these did carry over, but I'm looking down here. You know, I think... I think somebody can get four of these. How about that? I think I think I think the right guy can get on the phone and get three or four of these well, pretty easily. We had a winner sound? earlier this week, we and Derek Scotty a two for two in the same week. Don't know if that's ever happened. Certainly not. I guess back to back, which technically uh, this would be considering we did not have a pop quiz yesterday. Uh, Mark, uh, how about if you pick the number if you don't mind? One through eight, Mark Dykton. Okay. Uh, Jeez. Let's just go number one, Fast Fingers. I was trying to come up with something witty, and I got nothing right now. But, well, yeah, Absolutely I, I know we've all, you know, uh, tantrum at the form, I believe. Brock just texted me that. Um, we, again, we're still trying to figure out analogies from last night. Who do we got? How many Toradol shots would I like right now? One. Let's go with one, and that is Steve. Steve. Hello. Yes, sir. Hey, Steve. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Good. Uh, any uh, big plans this weekend, Steve? 
heading uh, south to Florida with the family. Oh, uh, nice. Boy, oh, you're going to get the last laugh. What part of Florida? <laughs> Uh, we got a little place in Clearwater. We go to once a year. So. Nice. How far is that drive? Or I, I assume you are driving. Uh, we're flying this time, but it's normally about a twelve-hour drive, thirteen-hour drive. Okay. It's not horrible. That's not bad. You can do that. I say it's Two not bad. I, I'm not the one. I'm not the one driving thirteen hours, so it's easy for me to sit here and say that. Do you have kids, Steve? <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, actually, one of them are coming with um, our granddaughter and his wife. So Look at that. Our daughter-in-law. Nice. So, we're looking nice. forward to that. How old's the yeah. granddaughter? Uh, she's two and a half months. Ooh, so, boy, wow. This will be our first trip. Jeez, good, good <laughs> luck good. on the flight for that one there. Try and match, match up the old nap times and make sure the bottles are... Ready and readily available. Probably That's the, the most alcohol important bottles, thing. right? You're talking about. <laughs> well, alcohol for the parents certainly, but yes. Um, this is yeah. something, this is something I'm gonna have to do. I don't know when we're eventually gonna have our first flight, but it's going to happen. I had a buddy. They had a, you know they had a baby who's about one now, and they flew with her like several times, so she would be used to flying. I don't know if that's a real God, thing. Or I don't not. know if I'm gonna be in the air to be used to flying like that, but yeah, I've never sweated so much walking on the flight when Rosie was that young, or even Max was that young. So, Steve, thanks for the call, and uh, good luck on today's pop quiz. All right, Steve, All right, let's thanks. go. Let's get a winner here on this Thursday. Question number one: Name the only NFL team that has already clinched a playoff berth this season. Is it the Eagles, Cowboys, Ravens, 49ers? Uh, that would be the, oh boy, 49ers. Steve, nice work. Number two here, Giannis Antetokounmpo scored a Bucks franchise record 64 points. And Milwaukee's win over the Pacers last night. Whose record did he break? Was it his own? Brandon Jennings, Michael Red, or Kareem? Uh, he technically broke his own because he broke Reddick and then he broke himself. Himself. So you're going to say himself? Well, the initial record, I believe he ended up with uh, one over Reddick, and then he went back in the game, and I think he scored again. So technically he would have broke his own record. That was only a few minutes old. But uh, Michael Reddick is probably what you're looking for. <laughs> so are you going Giannis or Michael Red? Can you, can you repeat the question again? Okay, Giannis, six boy. We're getting into some technicalities here. Um, Giannis, 64 in the win last night. Whose record did he break? His own, Brandon Jennings, Michael Red, or Kareem? I broke his own. All right, question number three. Golden State's Draymond Steve, don't Green. overthink it. It's Michael Red. <laughs> the answer is okay, Michael, Michael Red. Red. That was my initial question or answer. <laughs> God, Steve's too smart. We, Steve, uh, he you really know, is. the elementary level for the pop quiz is not at Ivy League, so just keep it third grade if you can. <laughs> not until we get to all question right. number five, at least. Uh, all right, so okay. question number three. Golden State's Draymond Green was suspended indefinitely yesterday for throwing that punch at Phoenix Center uh, Nurkic on Tuesday night. Earlier this season, if you remember, Green was suspended five games for putting another player in a headlock during the game. Who was the other player? Rudy Gobert, Jaden McDaniels, Jordan Poole, Dylan Brooks. Uh, Gobert. Okay. Number three here. Northwestern's men's basketball team beat number one Purdue a few weeks back um, and then found themselves ranked 25 in this week's AP poll. The Wildcats celebrated by losing at home last night. Who beat Northwestern last night? Bellerman, Detroit Mercy, Chicago State, or DePaul? 
Chicago State. All right. Steve, you're motoring along here pretty good. Now we're in Ivy League is what you're saying here? Now now we're going to the NHL, Steve. We're going to the the National Hockey League. Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs scored goals number 20 and 21 of the season in the Leafs' 7-3 win over the New York Rangers Tuesday night at MSG. Matthews has scored 20 or more goals in each of his first eight seasons in the NHL. Only one other American player has done this. Are you on the plane right yeah, now, Are you Steve? okay, by the way? Give your window down? Um, we don't leave till Saturday. Sorry. Okay. Is it Mike Madano, Patrick Kane, Keith Kachuk, Joe Mullen? Wow. I'm going to say Patrick Kane. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen. Unbelievable. I, Is Scotty human? Is he Matt Gay on Sunday against the Bengals? Look, I think D- does Scotty have the yips a, right now? This is a morning show first, I Chuck think. Chuck Knobloch? And like we love Derek, but Derek was like, repeat the question. Can number you five the was question a little again? finicky. Yeah, number five at least was finicky. I, but Steve, you could tell I, I, he's driving. You can tell he's got other things going on in his life. He's getting ready to go to Florida with the family and the granddaughter and everything else. And he just, I mean, he's did great. That's as good as we can do right there. Now, Scotty, you aren't going to react like Giannis reacted and storm out of here with a temper tantrum <laughs> after run, that? Run down the hallway. That is a show first. That storm. doesn't happen on querying, or, uh, Kevin and Query. It hasn't happened here. Wow. Fitting we have First Michael ever. Grady on tomorrow, and that just happens. Mm. Uh, Steve, name the only team that has clinched a playoff berth. He said the 49ers. That is correct. Two was the one he just, I guess he kind of overthought it. You know, obviously, this is based off what happens in a game. Michael Red had the game record. Yes, Giannis, you know, beat it on several occasions last night, but Michael Red, number two. Just kicks some ass. Uh, who in did Milwaukee's Yeah, who did Draymond put in the headlock season. earlier this season? If you remember, that was Rudy Gobert. Let's see, uh, Gretto. The best part was Gobert was so confused. Like, what are you doing? Chicago State, who I'm I loud and proud. I feel like they used to be like the new like a uh, like marathon team that are athletes in action. I feel like that's kind of been their opponent. IUPUI. I feel like plays them and tries to get a win every year. They beat Northwestern. Last night, and then the final one. The hockey question usually slips people up. Not Steve. Nope. Patrick Kane. Good Steve. job, Steve. That's a W. That's E1. There we go, How Steve. about that? Good job, Steve. Nothing like rocking the granddaughter asleep in Florida and telling her, you know what, you're going to be proud of Grandpa one day <laughs> for his effort on the pop quiz on December 14th, 2023. Steve, safe travels down there. We'll do it one final time here. Appreciate you joining us on this Thursday. Reminder, coming up tomorrow, we'll have a football Friday. Matt Taylor, Greg Rakestraw, um, probably a bunch of other, other items that we'll have coming up on a Friday. We'll give Michael you Grady, right? our picks. Yeah, Michael Grady going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. So we will be jam-packed tomorrow on a football Friday with some basketball obviously thrown in. Can I give you guys this story as we are in our final couple minutes of the show? Should remind you, Query and Company, coming your way at noon, JMV. Coming your way at three o'clock. Uh, so yesterday we had we had the uh, we had the well the the Radio One holiday party. Now neither one of you could make it. God knows what you're having to do with your wife breaking her foot, right? So well, I, the Kevin Bowen day. You had the Colts. Yeah, stuff I, I was to go over to. at Colts, and then okay. uh, yeah, it is a little bit of a you're show, doing things, chauffeur okay? with Matty Bowen yeah. on one foot right yeah, now. So you're so you're doing things and. 
And Mark, I mean, you've been kind of under the weather. We mm-hmm. haven't really talked too much about it. And your wife had to work and everything else. Uh, my in-laws were in town taking care of the baby. My wife's back to work and everything. So I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do. So I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to go. Of course, why would I not go? I'm going to get a mingle knowing that I wouldn't know too many of the people. Knew some salespeople, JMV. You know, he he worked his way. He worked the room, if you will. When JMV now, arrived, he told me you had room. an axe cut your hair. No, <laughs> no, I did. Was not. that true? I thought this was the story. No, I was. Uh, I was just bad at throwing an axe. I gotcha. mean, that's okay. basically all right, all right. Uh, the best thing. So, uh, you know, I'm not knowing, and I hope I even get this guy's name right. So, you know, when you arrive at a place, KB. You arrive at the same time. There's that awkward dance of, are you going to go first or am I going to go first? Okay. Oh, no, you, you, you. Uh, so, no, you, you, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things. So, you know, this guy was, you know, this is an employee at Radio One who I did not know. And we did a little small talk as we walked up. And so the handle was on his side. And so he grabbed the door handle and he opened the door for me. It was very nice. Okay. And then there's the second door. Okay. And I opened the second door for him. And so then we walk in and there's the table that's right there where we check in and make sure we've signed the waiver and everything else since we're going to throw an axe and everything else. <laughs> so Don't he, hit JMV in the back so, of the so, axe. Yeah, so he signed in before I did. You know, I did. You know, I opened the second door for him. It's not a big deal. And so we got a ticket. And that ticket was our ticket for the drawing for the prizes. You know where I'm going with this, I okay. assume. Uh, and so they gave up a b- oh bunch boy, of prizes. Oh, boy, he won and you didn't. Yeah, so here we go. So the prizes are going, and you know, I, you know, I don't care. You know, of course, if you win something, it's great. But, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just a fun thing. And so, you know, people are winning some stuff from uh, many of our proud uh, sponsors here on Radio 1. And so, you know, it's going along. It's going along. And I've been close on a couple numbers. And then comes the final two. There were two grand prizes, if you will. One grand prize gets read off. It goes, I think it was, you know, a night in one of us swanky hotel. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, Lakers. T- Lakers are bucks, tickets, and some other gift cards. A nice prize package, on the, you know, during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Temper then, tantrum coming to Banker's yes, Life and then, on and then, January 3rd. And then comes the final one, the final grand prize. And I think, you know, it's at maybe Bottle Works or one of these nice hotels, and it's the Warriors. It's oh. the Golden State Warriors, and then there's you know three, four other uh, gift cards, and they're throwing in other stuff. So it's a great grand prize, and they read the number, and I know it's the first like five numbers are my number, and then it's the second to last number. It's like a five, and I'm like, okay, that's me, and then it's the last one, and my last number was a six, and the number they read was a five, and because I let this gentleman go before me. He won the grand prize, and I didn't win the grand prize. And I believe the gentleman's name is Tony Severino. Do you guys know him? I believe he is a sales He's associate. Tommy here. DeVito's agent, I think. <laughs> Should we confront Tony? Well, I don't know. I mean, I. But know, hey, you if, could sleep well at night knowing that you did the right thing. I was the nice guy. Yeah. But, but if I would have opened the first door, then he opens the second door, and we both open a door for each other, and I win the grand prize. But instead, he opened the first door, I opened the second door. He signed in before I did. You he want got humanity, though. Yeah, you, that's what I did. You want humanity. <laughs> but also, I got thinking it's better because I'm new. People would have thought, who the hell's that guy? And that's all that matters. <laughs> Speaking of nice guys, again, rest in peace to the great George McGinnis on and off the floor. Absolute icon here in the state. Everybody have a great Thursday.